0: Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co hosts, my sister and my brother in law.
1: Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez.
0: Hi, I'm
2: John Paul Vasquez.
0: This week, we're broadcasting live from the Jade of the Orient restaurant discussing the 2019 supernatural horror film, It Chapter 2. This film was directed by Andy Muschietti off of a script written by Gary Doberman. It Chapter 2 serves as the follow up to 2017's It Chapter 1 providing a conclusion to Muschietti's adaptation of Stephen King's best-selling novel. Much like its predecessor, this film tackles themes of trauma, friendship, and fear as the now adult losers club returns to Derry to once again face off against IT. This film was recommended to us by friend of the show, Deanna Chapman. For talk on all things Stephen King, please check out Deanna's fantastic podcast, Chat Cemetery. You will not be disappointed. So, IT Chapter 2. What were your first impressions on the film?
1: I'll, I'll field this one. Um, <laughs> I distinctly remember because it was John Paul's birthday mm-hmm. oh. in 2019. And I had to go to work and we were slow and there was a bunch of people. And I was like, hey, let me get out of here <laughs> so that me and John Paul can go do something for his birthday. And so I left. I came home and we immediately went to the <laughs> movies to go yeah. see this. And it was so fucking long that <laughs> leaving I had to race to go pick the kids up from school. Like it took the entire day.
3: Oh,
2: Down. Yeah. It
1: took fucking forever. But um, we had a lot of fun yeah. seeing it. And then we talked about it, you know, in the car after we left. And I I wasn't in love with it. There are certain aspects to it, even watching it the first time that I was like, I don't mm. like that. <laughs> um but I and I haven't seen it since. We had seen right. it uh that day when it was still in theaters watching it again <laughs> what what magic it had for me it lost i yeah. would say the, if not i don't want to say all of it
2: mm-hmm. but the
1: vast majority of it is gone for me
2: yeah i me and your sister were talking and she was like you remember liking this or and i was like well yeah <laughs>
1: did i did i hallucinate but, a film uh,
2: but like i told her that it was it You know what I mean? We were all hyped and we're like, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna see Pennywise and we're gonna whatever. And and then we were in the theater and then, you know, it was just, we were enjoying us being together and you know what I mean?
1: I kind of feel like where you see it and how you see it do play a factor too because seeing it at the theater (laughs) makes you more, this this is great.
0: (laughs) So it's like when we watched
2: VHS and then- Exactly. (laughs) We were just happy to be we just, together. We
1: just, like, <laughs> hanging out with each other.
2: Uh, but it, it it did. The charm is gone. Mm. And it's okay, but it's not as good as as I remember it or when yeah. we seen it, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm sure, like you said, you know what I mean? Us being out and whatever, that played a... a you know, a part, oh man, it this had to. was great, but.
0: As opposed to being at home yeah. <laughs> watching it on HBO Max. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the 8,000th well, movie of the pandemic. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, it's not, the magic is gone.
0: I agree with both of you. <laughs> I saw this at the theater, much like the first one, I saw it with our parents, and I was so excited to see it because it's finishing this adaptation to one of my favorite novels. right. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know that I wasn't the biggest fan of the first film. But this makes me appreciate the first film more, <laughs> which really sucks yeah. because I wanted to love this film. And then when I heard that Bill Hader was going to be Richie Tozier, yeah. I lost my shit because yeah. I love Bill Hader no, he's great. so much. And I don't. I was like,
1: John Paul's being real quiet over there. Yeah. I I love him too.
0: Like I think he's so fucking funny, and just as a person, I think he's really cool. Yeah. So I was like, this is going to be a really interesting, and it turned out to be really one of the few things I liked about this film.
1: <laughs> I feel like the consensus as a whole of it, the book, miniseries, films, uh-huh. people tend to like the story with the kids more than they like the story with the adults.
0: I've noticed that, and
1: so I. I kind of expected that to be flipped, and I thought that with this cast, they were gonna I'll fucking show them. Yeah. Like I really thought they were gonna, you know, blow us away. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I wasn't blown away the way they wanted yeah. me to. No. Well, <laughs> I,
0: I think I the, the the issue is that it's just so disjointed. It is. It's missing so many character moments that you hoped they would bring to the screen.
1: And there are a couple things and. You know me. I'll point them out as we go through, but that I'm like, oh yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it. Oh, never, never mind. No, like they'll start to pick up something important and then be like, nah, no, just fucking with you. Yeah, and it's like
0: it's it's like you you see that as a wink to the people who read the novel. I see it as a fuck you. It is, yeah. you know, it
1: is especially because it's it's some really there are a couple things that are very um, important, mm-hmm. and it's like if you're not gonna follow through with them, just don't do them at all. Right. Just don't put them in there at all. And so we'll we'll I'll I'll point him out. Don't worry. But yeah, I was I was actually, I think, actively offended. When <laughs> I it How
2: happen. dare you? That's good uh, that both of you guys have read it because I do have questions because I haven't. OK, well, so I was no, you know, your sister knows I was confused a few times or whatever, <laughs> but I'll I'll ask you too, T, so that we can.
0: That is totally because
2: I, I did. I that was a thing too. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like I don't. That's <laughs> I a was major. Lost. That's a yeah. major
1: problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. and <laughs> like... I, I do want to put it out there. I don't hate this film. Well, no, right. no. I think that I just was very confused by a lot of the choices they yeah. made here. It's
1: to me, it, it just boils down to disappointment. Yeah, it's not hatred. Uh, no. But I was all. I was quite disappointed by mm-hmm.
0: it. Right. I don't want to put everything on one person's shoulders or anything like that, but the first film had Carrie Fukunaga script to work off of. This film was just Gary Doberman's script. And Gary Doberman wrote Do the film's need- <laughs> <laughs> that Refresher. We love, refresher, please. Like yeah. Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle comes home. Uh-huh. I believe he also wrote the Nun. So you know, films <laughs> that we the thoroughly best enjoyed. films in the Conjuring universe, <laughs> basically. What? So I'm, i I. <laughs> I feel oh like that God. might have something to do with it, but I don't want to blame. I'm sorry, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we confront this film in the sewers, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast and in thoroughly discussing horror films we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled please go watch the film then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers let's float. Now obviously this film relies heavily on having already seen It Chapter One. If you haven't we'd advise you to go watch it or listen to episode 54 of our show as a refresher. So before the film opens, we see the New Line Cinema logo accompanied by an eerie nursery rhyme and it's surrounded by Pennywise's deadlights.
1: Which again, I'm here for the creepy logos. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I love it.
0: Again, more movies need to do this. Suck me in. Yes, immediately. from <laughs> the very beginning. But the film opens proper in the dairy sewers in 1989. We see a young Beverly Marsh played by Sophia Lillis slowly floating upward with gray eyes thanks to those aforementioned deadlights. Right. <laughs> we hear the disembodied voice of Georgie Denbro, played by Jackson Robert Scott, screaming, you'll float too, over and over, as the scene gives way to a bright light. We then get text reading September 1989, and we're outside in the field where the first film ended with the Losers Club seated in a circle. Bev says that while she was in the deadlights, she saw a vision of them back in the sewers, only they were much older, she says about her, their parents' ages. Just to get this out of the way, also present are, and reprising their roles, <laughs> young Bill Denbro, played by Jaden Martell, young Ben Hanscom, played by Jeremy Ray Taylor, young Richie Tozier, played by Finn Wolfhard, young Mike Hamlin, played by Chosen Jacobs, young Eddie Kaspark, played by Jack Dylan Grazer, and young Stan Uris, played by Wyatt Olaf.
1: Nailed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. But a few of the boys ask how they look in the future, specifically Stan, and Bev, in an almost stilted reply, says that he looks about the same, only taller. Bill then snags a dirty-ass broken piece of bottle, and we get that moment from the first film again. He asks them all to swear in a blood pact that if it returns to Derry, they'll come back to defeat it. In the next shot, we're sweeping above the town of Derry, Maine, as we hear adult Mike Hanlon, played by Isaiah Mustafa, discuss the concept of memory. He says people want to believe they're the good things they choose to remember, the moments, the places, the people, etc. We glide through school hallways, through the butcher's alley, and past missing persons posters. Mike, ending on kind of a downer, says that sometimes we're what we wish we could forget and we're plunged into the storm drain where it took Georgie, accompanied by the sound of children's screams. Pretty effective opening, I'd say. I agree.
1: Yeah, I'm in I'm in it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So far is it's about two minutes. Operative. But, yeah. yeah, I'm in
0: But we're then floating above trees, revealing the colors and sounds of a carnival night in Derry, Maine. We then get text that reads, 27 years later. After some shots of people having the absolute times of their lives, we see a line of kids playing that water gun in a clown's mouth game. Yeah. I'm sure there's a better <laughs> name for it.
1: Stairhole. There you go. Yeah.
0: Playing that stairhole game.
1: The clown hole game. <laughs>
0: I was like, it had to be clowns, right? Like, I mean. No, of course. Because we even see the shot of the funhouse entrance with it just can't, a giant yeah. It can be a ring toss clown game. Mouth. No, yeah. it would be clown shaped rings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the line of people playing this clown hole game is Adrian Mellon, who is a 20 something played by Xavier Dolan. Now, Xavier Dolan is a filmmaker in his own right, and he even directed Adele's Hello music video.
1: Oh, shit.
0: All right. So I was like, this, does this count as a cameo? I don't know.
1: Well, I read that he had told Andy Muschietti, please let me be in it. He was like, I'll play a doorknob. I'll play a curtain. I don't <laughs> care. Please let me be in it. And was so this he- Beauty
0: and the Beast? <laughs> <laughs> I'll play the teapot. <laughs> <laughs> he put him in it. Hey, it worked. but. Adrian wipes the floor with these kids and his <laughs> his balloon just pops in victory. Don Haggerty, Adrian's boyfriend, played by Taylor Frey, arrives with some carnival food and Adrian is giving away his prize that he won, which is a stuffed animal, to this little girl named Vicky, played by Ryan Kira Armstrong. She has a little birthmark on her cheek. Mm-hmm. She's very downcast, but her face lights up as soon as she gets this prize.
1: It's a really sweet moment. It mm-hmm. is.
0: He thanks her for letting him win. Yeah, it's, it's adorable. It's very nice.
1: Like you immediately like Adrian. Right. Yes.
0: But Vicky runs off to her mother and Don pulls out a surprise for Adrian. It's a hat that says I heart dairy on it. But when they seal this gift-giving with a kiss, a group of local street toughs notices.
1: Did they like Forgive me if not, but did they make that kid look hideous? No. On- <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can explain that. Please. I will explain that because the men continue their walk through the midway and they're accosted by Chris Unwin, the street tough you're talking about, who is played by Katie Lunman, which is a very interesting choice because this actress played uh, Betty Ripsom in the original. Get not,
1: the fuck out of here. Not again. the
0: original, my bad. In the miniseries. In the miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was 30 years ago. No. She played Betty Ripsom in the preceding film.
1: Okay, so I I can I get the makeup and stuff now then because I was like, what is happening? Yeah,
0: I was like, you need to worry less. <laughs> About gay people living their best life, and worry more about your dermatology appointment, <laughs>
1: like, getting a good skincare yeah, routine. Yeah, because
0: good lord. But that's what I, I'm like. They had to really mess her up so she didn't look like herself. That's, that's right. actually, that's you funny. know,
1: I actually really respect that. That's yeah. actually yeah. very
0: cool. And I did not. I was. I. I just thought this was like just a teenage kid. Yeah. The first time I saw it, yeah. I had no idea yeah. that they double casted this actress. That's, that's awesome. But. <laughs> Chris knocks the drink out of Adrian's hand, and Webby, another asshole played by Jake
2: Weary, joins in on the bullying. Man, I would have shoved the shit out of that kid. Oh, I, oh uh, my
1: God. I do <laughs> It's
2: like, I don't care if you're 15. Yeah. <laughs> it's only so much I can take, but don't, no. too
0: don't much, do that. Too much. And Jake Weary, if you recall, was in It Follows.
1: Oh, you're right.
0: And he was kind of an asshole on that. Right. So <laughs> it's plain to type. But Don pulls Adrian away to leave, but when Webby drops the dreaded F bomb, Asking if Adrian has a problem, dude claps back with a diss about Webby's hilarious haircut.
1: (laughs) I was like, not Meg Ryan. (laughs) He had
0: it coming. But Don's like, all right, all right, come on. (laughs) He's like, we get it. It's a horrible haircut. But (laughs) we see Adrian and Don walking on a bridge with Don lamenting how much of a shithole town Derry is and why they need to get out of it. Adrian tells him whether it's Derry or New York, all that matters is that he's with Don. Just as they go in for another kiss, the homophobic street toughs are back for round two. It's Chris and Webby, accompanied by two other unnamed assholes. Webby tells Adrian to take his hat off, and Adrian doesn't comply. But when he stands up for himself and Don, things turn violent. In the scuffle, Adrian's hat comes off, and Chris pops it on his own head. Now on the ground, Adrian, struggling to breathe, takes out his inhaler, which is kicked away by Webby. Don screams that Adrian has asthma, but the unnamed homophobes silence him with more punches. Chris and Webby beat Adrian Bloody, who stays defiant till the end, once again making fun of Webby's 90s It Girl haircut. (laughs) I love
1: it. It's
0: fantastic. But Webby snatches the hat back from Chris, puts it on Adrian's head, and with the help of asshole number two, throws Adrian off the bridge with a welcome to dairy, motherfucker. We see his body tumble into the rushing waters below and the gang disperses. Don runs to the railing of the bridge and watches Adrian's body get carried away. Through Adrian's point of view, we surface in and out of the water, but we notice through the waves, Pennywise, the dancing clown, played by Bill Skarsgård, reaching out with a helping hand and glowing eyes. I thought that was properly creepy. It was.
1: I'd be like, I'll stay in the water. Yeah. (laughs) There's no need. I don't want your brand of help. Yeah,
0: I'll drown. It's cool. (laughs) It's okay. But the thing for me is that the music was unsettling, but there was not a jump scare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, keep it eerie, man. I love it. But- Don rushes underneath the bridge to the water, frantically searching for Adrian. After seeing his hat floating in the water, he looks across to see Pennywise holding Adrian. The clown smiles a sick grin before his mouth grows larger and sinks his teeth into Adrian's armpit. Blood covers his face as Don screams, and the scene is obscured by hundreds of red balloons. We then hear the chanting of children, we all float down here. So the miniseries did not touch this segment with the 10-foot clown pole.
1: No, (laughs) and (laughs) I just wanted to say, I do appreciate that they included this because I remember the first time I ever read it, Mm -hmm. this whole thing with Adrian Mellon was the first time that I was like, I'm scared.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even after Georgia, you're like, "Eh,
1: I think because I had seen, I knew that that was coming. And so, yeah, no, it, it freaked me out. And I really think it speaks to not only oh shit, this motherfucker's back mm-hmm. but the evilness and the hatred that mm-hmm. is just in dairy. Like mm-hmm. it's woven into the fabric of dairy. And I I think that's a point to make and a point that I know I said last time they didn't do a very good job of conveying in the first film. No. So I really did appreciate them including this. In the novel, man, they like they detail the night. They have the boys and Don being interviewed by the police, mm-hmm. they go to court. Like it is a it's, whole <laughs> Yeah.
0: You learn everything <laughs> yes. about the judicial process. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree to your point because I feel like it's not only saying about Derry being this dark place, which is honestly probably why Pennywise is like, Oh, this is my shit. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but they it's feed
1: off of each other. Exactly
0: it's a symbiotic thing. Yes. Where Pennywise I feel like it, it he takes advantage of the worst in people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got racism mike you know homophobia in this scene child abuse neglect and he's just here to nom nom nom
2: nom, nom yeah he's like oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a buffet <laughs> delicious yeah i just i was a little annoyed because it's like there's nobody around nobody's gonna help them you're at a <laughs> yeah. fair but where,
1: again that speaks to where i
2: i know but it, a lot of movies do it and it's like there's no cops around you know what uh-huh. you? and then we're gonna get away with it's like really, dude. There's people <laughs> everywhere. What are you? Do? It's a outside carnival. of the bar. Yeah, yeah. like, what the fuck's happening? See, and
0: this is a problem for me because this is very much explained in the novel, mm-hmm. but they don't do a good job of explaining it here. Right again. Like there is a scene in the novel where this dude comes into a bar with an axe and he murders all these people seated at a table, but nobody moves, nobody does anything because of Pennywise's influence but they don't explain that here. No. Yeah. Like there's a and whole so carnival again, full of people and they're just like, I guess that's what happens to Adrian. Yeah. And, yeah
1: you
2: know, I, I I'm
1: getting a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that's what it is. That's the nature yeah. of dairy. And again, they really, as, as much as I appreciate them, even going this far, mm-hmm. right. they still don't fully convey, you know, the full extent.
0: Right, right, right. But we hear Mike's voiceover again, explaining that things we try to leave in the past won't stay there. But we pan over to find him sleeping in a chair in some kind of attic-slash-apartment. Over a police scanner, which wakes him up, we hear the call coming in about a dismembered body. Mike lurches up and grabs his keys in a rush as his voiceover concludes, Sometimes it comes back for you. We see him arrive at the bridge, walking past an ambulance with police lights and sirens blaring. You do hear Don talking about a clown, but it's not... I guess this is a nod to his interview. Yeah. In the novel.
1: Well, and just to very quickly piggyback on that, I don't want to be super annoying with the book stuff. But no, you're
0: fine. I'm going to do it too. So <laughs> keep going.
1: <laughs> when the boys are being interviewed, the boys that kill Adrian, right. you know, for all intents and purposes, they say, or one of them says that there was a clown down there biting under his armpit, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what we saw. And then when they interviewed Don, Don's like, I saw a guy in a clown suit down there biting him. And so... I guess the, uh, the the prosecutors are like, if we say there was a fucking clown down there, these kids are going to get off. Yeah. Yeah. So they never mention it in court. The only reason that Mike knows is because he pays a dude at the police station to give him the tea yeah. that nobody else knows about because right, he's right. trying to you know track Pennywise or whatever. Right. And so I feel like that makes more sense than Mike just you know rolling up yeah. on the scene and being
0: like, a clown. Oh, shit, what the yeah. heck? <laughs> From the radio? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's- He tried it, yeah. I guess. That's also what bothers me about the street toughs just running off because it's so important to the story that they also see Pennywise. Yeah. Yes, that way the story isn't just Don's crazy; it's these people who have no reason to agree on anything. Exactly, right. and that's what the are one, telling the same story. The attorney
1: is like, "We need to introduce this." They don't even. They, why would they both make that up? Or right, why would, right. you know? Why would Don co-sign on that? And they're just like, Mm-mm, "No,
0: <laughs> no clown." No. Yeah, but at the water's edge, he finds a balloon stuck in a tree. Mike picks it up and in white lettering it reads I heart dairy. Walking a little closer to the bridge now, he sees come home written 3 times in blood on one of the pillars. As he stumbles back, the screen goes black with the Technicolor title card fading in, it chapter 2.
1: They have me so far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I have some nitpicky shit or whatever, but I'm like, here we fucking <laughs> know. Yeah. we know who that little note was for. Mm-hmm. Like to lose this shit, yes. <laughs> right?
0: And honestly, I felt like as they did it, it, it wasn't the best. But I feel like they couldn't have done the Adrian Mellon thing any better than they did it.
1: No, I mean not not without this movie being five hours exactly, long. Yeah. and it's already longer than it should be. But oh, yeah. oh and we'll
0: get to that. <laughs> But when we come back from the title card, we see Bill Dinbro, played by James McAvoy, seated in an incredibly spiffy looking trailer, complete with a fireplace, no less. A lot. He's living it up, like Georgie and the Barons. (laughs) (laughs) But he's staring at the blank screen of his laptop with one of his novels next to it on the table. I believe it was The Attic Room. A PA knocks on his door, telling him that he's needed on set. As he rushes onto the lot, we learn that he's a screenwriter of a movie that's being filmed based on The Attic Room it's funny to me because this is distributed by warner brothers and they're on the warner brothers yeah. Yeah. lot. i was like they probably just walked across the right. Right. <laughs> but let's get this out of the way bill is stephen king
1: okay yeah <laughs> and well i'm sure you're gonna mention it in a second but i was like this is literally stephen king shade like yes. that, that's this like, whole absolutely. conversation
0: and it keeps coming up it does. but Bill approaches Audra Phillips, which is his wife and an actress in the film, played by Jess Weixler. Audra asks if he's brought the pages with him, but before he can answer, the director of the film, played by Peter Bogdanovich in a cameo role, descends down on a crane, reminding Bill that his film still needs an ending. Now, Peter Bogdanovich, I believe, is an Academy Award, I believe winning director... I think he made the last picture show, but it's it's just so odd for him to be here. I guess he's directing the attic room as himself. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, sure, man. But in conversation, we learn that the ending is being shot tonight and Bill still hasn't written it. The director says that while everybody loved his book, the ending was trash and they need a better one. He tells Audra to give Bill his notes and he ascends back up to the rafters like Sting. (laughs) (laughs) But this is when Audra reluctantly agrees with Peter, which wounds Bill a little bit, understandably. She says that he needs to give Peter and the studio what they want. And they get into a little argument about Audra being like a company woman. Right. Yeah. He does give a kind of cringe line. He's like, why can't you be the woman I want you to be? And she's like, fuck you. He's like, no, the 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 character. Yeah, character. (laughs) Oh shit. Too Uh, much.
1: I just want to interject very quickly. I hate this. Yes, Um, me too. Bill, in every other adaptation, is happily married. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to, you know, I guess, spoil anything. but
0: right. Things happen.
1: Yeah. Bill, Bill leaves. He doesn't stay on set. <laughs> in the novel and the miniseries, his wife goes after him because she's so worried about him. Because they love each other. Right. Because this is a healthy marriage. Well, um, she...
2: Was she also eating celery in the book? I don't believe do so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? In the um in the miniseries, she is Jess from Black Christmas.
2: Yes,
0: she is. <laughs> oh shit! Pretty fantastic. But All even right. in the
1: novel, what he can. Remember from his childhood, he tells her. Mm Right. And it's this whole thing, but yeah, you never see this bitch again ever. And that's and that's. (laughs) And it seems like a very toxic. I I hate it. I hate the way that they adapted this. Okay.
0: I think that's my problem is because Audra just storms off and like you said, crunching a piece of celery.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does this bitch really just (laughs) eat celery like that?
0: But Bill's cell phone rings and he heads outside. But yeah, that's the last time we see Audra. Yeah. Yeah. And she's so important to the novel. Yes. So for her to just be like, well, I I guess I got to go make this movie now. It's (laughs) caring more about the movie than Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another
1: thing. When she leaves to go follow him, the director of the film is like, I'm not going to be vindictive and do this. But if if this story gets out, you're never going to work again. She still leaves. Mm -hmm. Right. She is worried about her husband. Well, it's like it's just. It sucks, man. She's like,
0: I got to get Peter his ending, so (laughs) I hope he can write in the car. (laughs) because It just sucks. It does. But Bill leaves the set answering the phone, and it's Mike. As soon as he says his name, Bill tenses up like he's turning into the Wolfman or something. (laughs) And Mike tells him it's time to come home. On an incredibly congested city street, Eddie Kasbrek, played by Jason Ranson, weaves in and out of traffic. Over the phone, Myra, his wife, played by Molly Atkinson, basically treats him just like his mother did, filling his head with worries, this time about non-existent rain on the road and hydroplaning.
1: Right. And also, this is the same woman that played his mom in the first one.
0: Yes, which... (laughs)
1: Is...
2: <laughs> I told your sister. Go, he... he goes, Is that his fucking
1: mom? Yeah. Did he
0: ask,
2: did she marry his fucking mom? Yes.
1: I, I did not catch that when I watched it the first time.
0: It's such a smart thing to do because it is. not only with Eddie's character as a child, Yeah, but I remember a scene from the book where he's leaving to go back to Derry and he kisses his wife goodbye. And as he does so, he realizes that his wife kind of looks just like yeah. his mother.
3: Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Man. And so to just do that, yeah. No, yeah, They it's pretty good. They went
1: all in. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, best adult loser casting in the film.
0: Yes. He looks just like not oh, that yeah. kid. He
1: looks just like him. He talks just like Eddie talked in the first, like yes. how fast he talks and how
0: frantic. It's It's, great. It's perfect. And the other thing is that in the novel, they said that Eddie, grown up, looked a lot like Anthony Perkins. Yeah, they did. Jason Ransom (laughs) looks like (laughs) Anthony Perkins.
1: It's really good.
0: But Eddie, in very expositional fashion, explains that his job is to assess risk and him being distracted by her on the phone is a more likely cause of a collision than the hydroplaning.
1: Which he he owned a limo company in every other adaptation.
0: Yes, he did, and... Personally, I really like this change.
1: Because that's very Eddie? Yes,
0: it fits way more. <laughs> like, tell me how it's you see... Uh, yeah, it, it does. Uh... Like, I don't see child Eddie growing up to run a limo service. That just doesn't make any sense. They
1: drives celebrities.
0: Yeah, that's all Eddie cared about as a kid. <laughs> but he gets a call on the other line from Derry, Maine, and distractedly says, I love you, Mommy, to his wife to get off the phone.
1: <laughs> she goes, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but he switches over to the other line and it's mike after he says who he is eddie gets t-boned by a taxi but answers that he's fine when mike asks <laughs> in the next scene the camera tilts up to a railing where richie tozier played by bill Hader, bursts out of a door to vomit kind of at us
1: yeah, yeah. The, like cgi vomit yeah, right? it
0: was unnecessary yeah
1: <laughs> like, I was like we don't right. need this <laughs>
0: But his agent, played by Jason Fuchs, is close behind, kind of confused, saying that Richie was just fine. The thing about the casting of Jason Fuchs is that I read he did uncredited rewrites on this film
3: hmm.
1: and helped
0: finish the writing process whenever Gary Doberman had to go write and direct Annabelle Comes Home. so
1: <laughs> He's like, I got another movie
0: to ruin, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you hold you like, on to it. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> hold down the fort. Yeah. <laughs> Tear down the fort. <laughs> But we notice Richie has his cell phone in his hand and his agent asks who called him. He gives Richie a handkerchief to wipe his mouth and we learn that Richie is now a stand-up comedian and is set to be on stage in a couple minutes. He's rushed back inside where he asks a PA for a bourbon and a mint and he quickly receives both. He's like, that was fast. (laughs) (laughs) But he slams the mints back before handing them off to his agent with very shaky hands. Again, Richie in the novel was a radio personality. Yeah. I think this fits better, especially for a modern take. Right. Right. He's introduced by the announcer and takes to the microphone in front of a packed theater. He dives right into a masturbation joke, referring to himself as Richie Trashmouth before trailing off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We hear the echoes of the kids from his past making fun of him, and he loses his flow completely. After admitting that he forgot the joke, the very fickle crowd that was once cheering for him turns on him. (laughs) Someone's like, You suck. I was like, You paid to He's be like, here. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Jeez.
1: You he liked him two seconds yeah, you, ago. You mm-hmm. suck.
0: <laughs> I wanna say that I do like the fact that we did not see Richie receive the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that would have been three times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and this film
1: I still feel like it's a little overdone and we don't yeah, even see it happen no. this yeah. time.
0: <laughs> but at least these are kept pretty brief. Right. Right. We'll get to a point later where things get repetitive and they are not kept brief. No. <laughs> But we're then taken to the offices of Hanscom and Associates. An architect played by Brandon Crane gives a presentation that isn't really well received. This actor played young Ben Hanscom in the It miniseries.
1: And he looks exactly the same. He does.
0: <laughs> I think he's the only actor to have a cameo from the It miniseries. And I felt like it was kind of a fake out, kind of a misdirection. that Like
1: you were expecting more.
0: Or no, I think that they wanted you to think this was Ben. Oh, no, all right. okay. Because you see the sign and then you see him leading a meeting. Yeah, you're right. And there was like this big uh, online push for the child losers from the miniseries to play the adult losers in this film. And I just feel like that makes more sense on a fan fiction thing than like- yeah. Right, well,
1: I had read that Seth Green wanted to play Richie Tozier and they were just like, cool story, bro. Yeah, and- <laughs> well, they're like,
0: you look nothing like Finn Wolfhard, <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> period. The other thing is Brandon Crane's credited as big guy, which, all right. Oh man. Like, fair enough. But we see the real Ben Hanscom played by Jay Ryan live via Zoom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did zoom before it was yeah. cool. exactly
0: he probably invested in it that might be why his house is so nice but he critiques big guy's model <laughs> saying that it should be more personal he then gets a little wistful looking at what appears to be the aged folded up page from his yearbook that beverly signed when they were kids and he says that the space should be more like a clubhouse
1: is that weird
0: what that he still has it yeah uh, oh, i can't I tell know. if it is or not I felt like it was weird that he remembers it and that it still holds significance.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, and also, if we're going by it, chapter one, there's no reason for him to be an architect. He took no No. steps. No. (laughs)
1: Yeah. No, that mean, wasn't touched on at all. No.
0: I was like, so he's going to be managing the new kids on the block reunion right. tour. <laughs>
1: <'Cause> <laughs> he they, is a new kid exactly. on the <laughs> block.
0: Exactly. They spent way more time on that.
1: Or a historian. Yeah. Because right. remember, they robbed Mike's exactly. interest to Which give to Ben. We'll
0: get to in a bit because still yeah. furious. Oh, yeah. Lord. Still furiated. Infuriated. <laughs> <laughs> That's I not agree, even a word. Or... Yeah. I can't even speak, guys. But he gets interrupted by a call from Derry, Maine. He picks it up, and this might come as a surprise, guys, but it's Mike. No. (laughs) The camera tilts up to the stars in the sky, and in a pretty cool transition, they become puzzle pieces. And in a puzzle piece-shaped hole, we're under a table looking up at Stan Uris, played by Andy Bean.
1: I really like that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Also, he looks just like a grown-up Stan. Does.
0: If he you does. told me that he was like his father, I would believe you. I would that. totally <laughs> believe
1: you. I was very impressed by that. Yeah.
0: I read that he was a friend of Bill Skarsgård's. That's how he got the role.
1: <laughs> well, he deserved it.
0: Yeah, because he looks just like the dude. But we zoom out, revealing a puzzle of birds that Stan is putting together, which I thought was a nice callback. Right. They don't really touch on it, I don't think, in IT Chapter 1, but- Stan was in the Boy Scouts, yeah, and he was very, very into bird watching. Would have never known that, right? It's <laughs> like he's doing a puzzle. And yeah. well, like
1: in, uh, in the novel and the miniseries, I think he, when he's confronted with a Pennywise, you know, situation, right. he grabs his because he was out watching birds. He grabs his bird watching book and just recites all the species of birds that he can think of, like grounding himself in that reality, and right. then it, it goes away. So it's like, it was a very big deal to him. Exactly. So, yeah. But
0: instead we got that painting woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was an improvement, right guys? No?
1: For sure.
0: <laughs> but Stan's wife, Patricia, played by Martha Girvin, is booking a trip for the two of them to take together. As Stan kneels down to pick up a puzzle piece that's fallen on the floor, his phone rings. He answers it. And again, it's Mike.
1: It made me laugh because he goes, Stan, it's Mike. And there, he's like, who? And like, that's happened every time. So, wouldn't you yeah. lead with, hey, it's Mike Hanlon from Dairy. we grew up together? Like, he's yeah. just like, it's Mike. It's Mike. Like, we talked at lunch. Like, it's
0: like Mike down the street. Right. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know.
1: There are a lot of Mikes.
0: Yeah. But you can see that his memory hits him. And Stan remembers Mike completely and why he's calling. He even says, it's come back, hasn't it? He's the only one. Stan nervously asks if Mike has called the others and won't really commit to coming back. Mike's like, we made a promise. Be here tomorrow. And Stan's like, uh, I got to return some videotapes, <laughs> <laughs> my dry cleaning. And uh, but Mike's like, I'll see you soon.
1: If I was Mike, when I hung up the phone, I'd be like, that motherfucker. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like when someone puts maybe on an RSVP, like <laughs> you're not showing up. up. But Mike gets off the phone and we see him put a check mark next to Stan's name on his list of the Losers Club. Back at Stan's place, we see his clothes neatly folded on the toilet seat as he steps into a running bath. Breathing rapidly, he flashes back to the day that they made the promise in 1989. We see young Bill asking him, do you swear? As young Stan nods. In the bathtub, Stan stares at the ceiling with tired eyes and says, I swear, Bill, as a tear rolls down his cheek. We watch as young Stan's hand is sliced by broken glass as part of the pact, and it looks rough.
2: It's he deep enough to cut out. him no. like that. <laughs> like,
0: did you not like Stan? Plus, we, yeah.
2: <laughs> we just seen you pick that shit up under off, the off ground. Right around, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, a little scratch will
0: do, Bill. Yeah. God damn. But in present day, Stan leans against the side of the bathtub, and we notice his blood is turning the bathwater murky. We realize that he's committed suicide. There is one complaint that I have but I think that they handled this so well.
1: I agree until later on, something really upsets me about, about
0: this. this. I just feel bad for the actor, though, because I'm like, Peter Bogdanovich got more screen time.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. And you wasted some really perfect casting. Yeah. yeah. Stan, you you could have had him doing a little bit more. My issue is that they made a damn fool of me because I defended <laughs> <laughs> the new logo. I know you did. Because in every other interpretation of this story, Stan, as he is dying in his own blood, writes it on the wall. Right. And it's dripping down the wall. And I'm like, well, obviously the logo is what, stan is gonna write on the wall right jokes on me that's what i fucking trying to defend this
0: shit Well, i think the thing that bothers me the most is that it literally looks like because you have the top being thicker and then it kind of drips Thank you. so right. it would make Thank perfect you. sense but they're like nope no we're not doing that this time
1: and that tells you this is why yeah but again they fucked that up later for me so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it then
0: all right well, blood drips from his finger onto the ground in another neat transition as we pan across darkness to the sleeping face of Beverly Marsh, played by Jessica Chastain.
1: Very cool, and it also there's a transition very similar to this in the first one when Bill is laying in bed and the you're drops, right. So I I thought that was really cool reincorporation. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I know there's going to be a lot of negative talk here, but nearly every transition they do in this film is amazing. Yeah. And they don't have the same cinematographer as last time. So the cinematography for me kind of suffers as compared to the first film. But that stuff's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the blood drips onto Bev's face, waking her up. The phone on her nightstand rings and she answers it. It's Mike. <laughs> I like, what? I feel like I don't have to say yes. this? But he tries to convince her to come back to Derry when she says that she doesn't remember. After Mike references it, she looks at the scar on her hand. Only after Mike mentions Bill does she seem down to return. I'm like, poor Ben. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even in this conversation, she's like, Bill, you say.
1: (laughs) Perpetually poor Ben. But doesn't he say that nobody else remembered either? Yeah. Which I call bullshit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because Stan was like, it's come back. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) They did. They remembered. (laughs) Stan... Specifically remembered, but the rest of them were like, oh, Mike. Like, they yeah, like they, they remembered too. At
0: least remembered him. Yeah. I'm like, you're lying. Well, it's like, was she the first one you called? <laughs> well, you can tell me, but we see Bev packing frantically in the night, gathering clothes from her massive closet. She bumps into Tom Rogan, her husband, played by Will Beinbrink, in the doorway. After he asks her what's up, she tries to explain that she got a phone call from a friend, and even though a ton of detail is left out, Tom seems very understanding. They kiss a couple times, and he sits down next to her on the bed. He holds her hand and tells her that she doesn't have to explain anything to him. She gets up to continue her packing, but then he grabs her by the wrist, turning all sinister, calling her a liar, and saying that he heard the name Mike. Bev tries to explain with more detail, but this is when Tom turns aggressive. After we get the impression that this controlling, abusive behavior isn't anything new, he slams her against the fireplace. She fights back, though, but so does he, unfortunately. She lands on the bed but is able to kick him in the face. He gets up to go after her again, but she smashes a glass frame into his face. She snags her things and breaks out. You'd think he would have gotten the picture. (laughs) But he screams after her that she is nothing without him. She exits the house in the rain, leaving her wedding ring on the porch.
1: First of all, fuck him up. <laughs> Secondly, um, I appreciate them including this uh, because I feel like it's very important. This vicious cycle of Bev from her father mm-hmm. to her husband or whatever. Absolutely. My only thing again, it's like with Audra, but like the opposite side of the coin. In the and they don't do this in the in the miniseries either. They you know pay tribute to Audra, but not Tom Rogan. Mm-hmm. He goes after Bev. Yeah. And. We never see this motherfucker again.
0: (laughs) I think the thing that bothers me so much about this is the fact that Tom doesn't continue ruins another person's story arc. It does. And it makes another person seem
2: completely inconsequential.
0: And we'll get to that in a bit. But it's fucking like, what are you doing, dude?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I knew when he was like, so what are you doing? I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like, well something, but, something seemed wrong. My thing was when
0: he sat her down on the bed and he was holding her hand and he's like, You don't have to explain anything to me. No, I was, he was, I was too like calm. Well, but the fact that he was so calm, I was like, Are they changing her story? Right. And All I was right, like, yeah. I I hate to see this cycle continue, but it's so important to Bev. So I'm like, I it's, hope they're not. It's yeah. important for
1: the fact that in this moment it's like a rebirth for her because mm-hmm. she's like, No, I'm mm-hmm. not fucking taking this shit anymore. Right. And it's uh I mean, it's a lot more dramatic in the book. Like her nails get ripped off her, her fingers. And like, mm-hmm, it's a lot, scary. but it, it is very important. But he was, I was just bracing myself when he was like, you don't have to explain. I'm like, oh uh, shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah, oh. no.
2: I I
0: was I, like, wow, this guy's sweet.
3: No. <laughs> what a great guy. Yeah.
0: He's here for her.
3: So, so understanding. <laughs> yeah.
0: And wrong again. <laughs> but Bev walks down the street as a taxi honks at her. She stops momentarily, eyeing a storm drain, but continues walking. Inside the storm drain, water cascades through it, and in another great transition, we're back in Derry in 1989. I thought the rushing water might have been a Shining reference. Oh, good
1: point. Good point. Take a shot. Take a shot. (laughs) You know,
0: the elevator. But water bursts from a pipe into a ravine, and we see that it's tinged with blood. Also, a few emaciated children that Pennywise gave floating lessons yeah. to.
1: Inconsequential. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody
0: needs to
2: clean those kids up. That's, yeah, it's, uh, it's just rude. The tourists are going to leave. No. <laughs> They're, gonna... They're
0: like, this is dairy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't love dairy. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, young Henry Bowers, played by Nicholas Hamilton, lurches up from underwater, screaming.
1: Maybe I'm stupid.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Admittedly so, but I was like, "This motherfucker's been down there for 27 <laughs> years." I didn't know that we stepped
2: back Uh-oh. in time.
0: It's like Peter Pan.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, okay. I I didn't think that I I was like, "Oh shit, he it released him or whatever." Oh. Yeah, so okay. I was like, "Oh shit, he's back!" Which was like, like "Great, right he's a kid." The
0: Wait, what the fuck? So he's been frozen like fried, yeah, in a stasis. <laughs> but I'm kind of bummed though that they. I say barely because there is Bob Gray mailing him his knife, but there's no real interaction with him and Pennywise in the first film. No. And Mike just threw his ass down a well. And yeah.
2: <laughs> now he's getting spit he's out like, of it. What up? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I thought that they killed him.
2: So did in the first they. one. Right.
1: And maybe they did. And they were like, no, 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 no. We, we got it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Because in the novel... You know they they didn't have that TV show. No, like wasn't Pennywise in the Moon telling Henry to kill his dad?
0: You're right because I think he also is like talking shit about the losers too and Bev yeah. specifically. He's like Bev sucks, <laughs> man. You might want to kill her too. And all right. Henry's like shit. Yeah,
1: but there you, was you this, always
0: listen to the Moon. Yeah, well
1: <laughs> there was this direct interaction. You're right. Uh huh. There, yeah.
0: And I I don't it bothers me that Pennywise does not appear in the Moon at all. In this, Mm -hmm. but maybe that was just a phase he was going through. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. I can't stop. But (laughs) Henry just heads home where we see several police cars outside, as well as a coroner taking his father away. The police draw their guns on Henry and promptly arrest him for the murder of his father. Henry screams in protest that he isn't done and that he has to kill them all. But then he goes silent, smiling up at a red balloon he sees floating into the sky. So a couple things here. I know we had the joke about the time jump, but I guess the sewers in Derry age you a couple years because
2: like. <laughs> <laughs> the actor is
0: clearly older.
1: <laughs> he's seen some shit, okay? I guess so. Like in the um, I just think of the imagery in the miniseries of his hair turning white when yes. he's see- when he's in the sewer. So maybe his hair didn't turn white; he just <laughs> he <doesn't>. aged. <laughs> he just rapidly aged. Yeah,
0: and I I kind of wanted that. I, yeah, I like the white hair situation. Yeah, but I felt like this scene could have easily been filmed when they were filming it, chapter one
2: that yeah (laughs) i I don't understand why they didn't do that no you already have you've
0: already used this location all all you need is a couple cop cars you already have henry here you know you know that you're not just making it chapter one you know it's going to be a success right
1: that's my major or a major issue that i have with this because there's they rely very heavily on flashbacks. Yes. And I don't know if maybe they were like, Oh, we don't have as much adult loser material as we thought we did. Let's get the kids back in here. But
0: Or they loved the kids. How was, let's- but,
1: okay, but how was there no forethought to, okay, since you guys are all here, let's change your clothes, right. let's do a couple I mean That's and
0: that's my biggest problem is that there's there's no scene here really except for a couple for budget reasons that you couldn't have filmed yes. right. during the first film
1: and it 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 hurts it yeah
0: because it (laughs) yeah the pacing gets all kinds of fucked up because of all these flashbacks and so back to this scene though how the fuck do they know henry did it already because it's been an afternoon but they're like you under they freak out when he's no, there yeah we're yeah. like officer bowers last breaths.
1: my son yeah <laughs> no he, was, <laughs> he did it he was dead dead yeah my thing was because i was like calm down mm-hmm. but then i'm like oh his dad was a cop and yeah. so i'm sure they're all like you know real hyped or whatever oh yeah
0: because they punch henry in the face yeah yeah <laughs> calm down like this is standard operating procedure i don't i guess the
1: other was no innocent until proven guilty it's like there
0: he is (laughs) and they fucking slug him but the other thing is i guess uh fuck belch and victor chris i guess yeah because we in the first film we don't get any closure on their characters yeah henry's just driving his car
1: uh they're (laughs) hanging out with uh audra and tom rogan
0: (laughs) just watching that never fucking show. (laughs) But we get another fantastic transition following that balloon until we pull back to see that it's floating outside the window of an adult Henry Bowers played by Teach Grant, who is in a psych ward. They really put their whole ass into these transitions. Yeah, they did. And I I appreciate it. I can't stop talking about them. But a still very mulleted Henry notices the balloon and starts to laugh. (laughs) That's when he decides to jump up and down on the windowsill like a monkey. <laughs>
2: yeah, he right. Gets excited. And he gets mm-hmm. real excited,
0: and even worse, it becomes monkey see, monkey do because all Everybody's those like, other oh, patients are yeah. like, "Is that what we're supposed to do?"
1: That looks great. Right. So they
0: start. <laughs> they join in, and Henry's admonished and taken away by, I believe, Andre the Giant. <laughs> now, <laughs> as Andre forces Henry through the halls. <laughs> back to his room we see the balloon is following him outside through the windows i like this a lot yes the orderly shoves him inside and locks the door and henry heads straight for the window clearly deflated when he doesn't see the balloon anymore i see what you did there. i mm. gotta do it but just then he hears his bed creak he cautiously makes his way over moving the blanket to find the balloon wedged between the bed frame and the floor Also, if you notice on his wall above his bed, there's a bunch of moon drawings.
1: I didn't.
0: So I was like, all
1: right. You tried. You're still trying, you know.
0: (laughs) I guess you're like, that's a little campy, so we won't do it.
1: One person read the book and they were like, can we just put a moon in there, (laughs) please? Please, Andy, please. (laughs) Can you just put a moon in there?
0: He pulls a very clearly CGI balloon until it pops. You're telling me. You couldn't hire a real balloon. <laughs> to, no. I'm like, I'm, I'm so confused because there's moments in this film where it does not need to be CGI. right?
1: But they did it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And
0: this one bothered me more than most because it's clearly fake.
1: Yeah. I'm like, how much did this fucking movie cost? Yeah.
0: You couldn't get vanilla right? <laughs> <laughs> but after the balloon pops, we see the drooling, decayed corpse of Patrick Hoxtetter, played by, again, Owen Teague, I really like the creature design here. Yeah. His yeah. face is He awful. looks cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. But he crawls out after Henry in Pennywise's typical, what you got, what you got, what you got <laughs> style. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry hits the floor with his back against the wall. This is when Patrick pulls out Henry's switchblade and hands it to him. I thought this was a cool moment, but it was ruined. Because not only do we see a flashback of Patrick. Thank you.
1: thank you. Thank you, thank you, In
0: the sewers, but Henry goes, Hawkstetter. And then he hands Henry his knife and he goes, My knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, can you let us remember anything? Yeah. We're, we're dumb. <laughs> like, I we're guess dumb. that for, for me feels a lot like studio meddling. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to understand who that is. Yeah. So you have to, you know.
1: Well, to me, it feels like here comes the airplane. <laughs> we don't. I don't need to be spoon fed. No. Like it's like they didn't expect us to watch the first. So <laughs> it's like a
0: lot of people are just gonna <laughs> show up. No, but that bothered me a lot. In the next scene, though, we see Bill arrive at the Jade of the Orient restaurant in Derry. Funny story. I looked it up, and there is a restaurant called the Oriental Jade in Bangor, Maine. I love it. Right. That's so cool. And we know that. Dairy is kind of a stand-in for Bangor. But according to The Independent, Stephen and Tabitha King used to eat there all the time. (laughs) It's obviously where he got the idea for the restaurant. But the restaurant ran specials when the new It films were released. Uh, (laughs) I love it. So they are totally cool with this. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. I think they had a meal called the Pennywise Platter. (laughs) (laughs) So add this to another list of places we have to visit. For sure. Right. But Bill heads inside and is greeted by Mike with a hug who is obviously very happy to see him. Mike says he knew he would come and Bill, the words coming out of him more than actually saying them, tells him that losers gotta stick together. Just then, we overhear Eddie telling the server everything he's allergic to. (laughs) (laughs) But he loses his train of thought when he sees Mike and Bill. Outside, we see Bev approaching the restaurant but kind of giving herself a moment before heading inside. Behind her, Ben pops up somehow still remembering Beverly.
1: From the back. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't even seen her face. No. January only... embers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no, only no. one woman with red January embers In hair, all of Maine. <laughs> in all of the world.
0: It takes a second for her, but she remembers him too, and they hug each other. We hear echoes of their first meeting in 1989 when Beverly signed his yearbook. But Richie spoils the moment by saying, You two look amazing. What the fuck happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> but he hugs them both before all three head inside. Once inside, Richie bangs a gong, calling to order the reunion of the Losers Club. He stands behind Ben, joking to Eddie about how much weight Ben's lost. For me at this moment, I was like, Bill is gonna be my favorite part of this movie. Uh, for <laughs> sure.
1: And I wanted to point out that after Bill Hader was cast, I guess they kind of changed his lines mm. to give Bill Hader like the reins. And so it really feels like a lot of this is just Bill Hader being Bill Hader. Yeah. But.
0: There's, I know one moment he had cut because they wanted him to do an Al Pacino impression because he does a really good Al Pacino impression. But he's like, that's me yeah <laughs> you know he's like Don't. well that,
2: that's not this movie
0: no and it's, it's not, not it's but, not richie really well but at although the same he time, does do a lot of impressions. he does a
1: lot of impressions a lot of them in the novel are very racist but <laughs> yeah
0: he Dude, does... i was rereading and i was like this is not cool anymore like, holy <laughs> shit
1: it was never cool that's fair <laughs> But he does do impressions. And in the novel, as I said, Eddie owns a limo company. Mm-hmm. And when he leaves to go back to Derry, he was supposed to be driving Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And so he has to convince his wife to do it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of does fit. It does fit. We talked about Al Pacino yeah, in the book. And you do didn't... a great
3: Al Pacino.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did we see any but... of that in the first? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, having it here would have just been like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> I he
1: assesses risk yeah, for opportunity. I'm,
2: yeah. I'm Well, he didn't do Jack and
0: Jill cuz <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. But we watch as the losers club shares a meal, catching up, and they learn that Eddie is married and Richie jokes that he's also married to Eddie's mother. Of course. Now he does an amazing job of the Hud impression. <laughs> but <laughs> Again, like JP said, it really is just Bill Hader being Bill Hader. Uh, Because I've seen him do this impression on Conan before, I think. (laughs) But Richie jokes about how great Ben looks now, and in embarrassment, Ben deflects. Now, they really drop the ball here because there's an excellent character moment from the novel where Ben explains how he lost all this weight. Yeah, they
1: even included it in the miniseries. Oh,
0: really? Yeah, and it's such an interesting story about him having this high school coach, well, he gets bullied by other high schoolers. Right. And then a coach breaks it up. But instead of like having any sympathy on him, he's like, look, they don't know why they don't like you, but I know why I don't like you. And then he grabs him by the chest and he's like, look, you're fat up here. And he points at his brain and he tells him, he just talks shit to him. (laughs) It's so, it's so bad.
2: And then, did he have to grab him by the chest? No, he didn't, he he did did.
0: But the thing is, is that Ben as a major fuck you He's like, look, I'm going to smoke every single one of your track runners. Mm. And dude's like, look, if you do that, I'll quit my fucking job. Basically. Oh, all right. And he and? does. He, yeah. he fucking smokes him. But then uh, the coach does not quit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't he punch him? Oh, yeah. He punches him he in the, the face. And he loses his job. <laughs> well,
0: <No>. eventually. <laughs> yeah. But he. Well, no, he doesn't lose his job because he says that he's going to try to get him fired. Ben says if he puts a hand on him again.
1: Oh, well, he should have lost it. It was the sixth Uh, book. (laughs) (laughs) It's not present day anymore. Yeah,
0: you could kick a kid in the face at school (laughs) and still. win teacher of the year but, but yeah
1: it's such a, i feel like it's such an important story of growth f- and like transformation
2: for right. Ben. That, like i
1: said they even tell it in the mini series yeah
2: because
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but so here, they're, funny, he's cause like no nah, guys i don't want to talk about yeah even,
2: even in carrie she was just slapping the shit out of the studio <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the only way she lost her job was in a different way later yeah. but <laughs> i i don't get it but i felt like this story for ben because honestly They give Ben all of Mike's shit in the first movie, Yeah, Yeah. and then in this movie, they give Ben like nothing to do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't understand that. So I'm
0: like, why are you going to ruin one character just to ruin the character you were trying to build up? Yeah. But I digress. Ben's way of deflecting is asking if Stan is going to show up. The mood goes quiet for a moment as they all stare at an empty chair. Richie laughs, saying that Stan's not going to show and Eddie's memories start coming back as he recounts how he stitched up Ben after Henry Bowers sliced him up. hmm After saying that he didn't become a doctor, he starts describing his job as a risk analyst, which <laughs> makes Richie pretend to <laughs> fall asleep <laughs> and snore. Everybody laughs, but Eddie gets way angrier than is necessary. He gets like super pissed. Well, he, he gets mad at Richie and then Ben's laughing at the joke, and then Eddie goes, What the fuck are you laughing at? It's like <laughs> we're, we're all friends. Yeah. Here. <laughs>
2: Why are you I so I think mad? it worked better when they were kids. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Little Eddie comes off as less...
1: Like aggressive. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I was like, yikes, man. But the group continues to laugh, and Bev raises her glass, proposing a toast to the Losers Club. The group continues to bond and laugh and eat and arm wrestle as the music swells. <laughs> and we see the server bring a bowl of fortune cookies for the table. Bev and Bill chat about their respective careers. Bev, the married fashion designer whose clothes fill Bill's wife's closet. And Bill, the novelist and screenwriter whose films are terrifying, but the endings suck. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. It's funny because during this shot, Ben is out of focus, just looking pissed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 27
1: years later. (laughs) It's
0: 1989 all over again. (laughs) But they all acknowledge how weird it is that the memories are rushing back the way they are. They talk about how it felt to get the call from Mike, with Bill describing it as pure f- but he can't get the word out. His stutter is returning to him as Mike tells him that it was fear. He explains that the further you get from Derry, the less you remember, but since he stayed, he remembers it all. Bev just says, Pennywise, and it all hits them. Bill finally asks why Mike asked them to come back.
1: I feel like I kind of wish that them being so scared like I know that Richie threw up or whatever and I know that Stan was very affected but they all talk about how they were scared and nervous to come mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't get that
0: no. no it was like
1: oh I gotta go back to dairy. Like, yeah. if, I,
0: well Bill was just like something's happening to me I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And-
1: <laughs> Bill turns into a werewolf yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
2: like I feel like it wasn't portrayed very well I this scene kind of took me out of the moment I'm not really? gonna lie because it's You guys came here for some scary shit, Mm -hmm. but let's let's be happy for a minute.
1: I'm not gonna lie. I love this and the book and the miniseries, their little lunch or whatever that mm -hmm. they have together. But yeah, it's another issue that I have is that they don't know why Mike called them. Yeah, I don't like that either. Because in every other rendition of this, he's like, look, remember your promise. If you don't come, you don't come. But we all made a promise to each other. Mm -hmm. This is like... Man, you want to come to Dairy? Like, that's how they're acting. <laughs> they're like, like, he didn't- Memory
0: lane? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And I, I think that's another big problem I have, which will come up later. Um, their promise. We'll talk in a bit. But my thing about this scene is I think that we deserved more character moments during this dinner. Yeah. Because they have not seen each other in 27 years. Right. There's a lot to tell.
1: Also, we haven't seen them. Yes. So it's like, yeah, we got to know them as kids, but who's the same at a, at eleven? And I I don't know math. However, the fuck we supposed to know.
0: But thirty eight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nobody's the same. So I would have liked to have gotten to know them a little bit better as adults mm-hmm. instead of just Eddie right. acting like well, kid yeah. Eddie. And I you guess know,
2: that's, just be who you were. I guess right. that's what kind of what I would rather have wanted instead of this little yeah. montage of them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Laughing and hitting each other with shit. And it's like, what? Yeah.
0: And now they they do have a montage in the miniseries, but they, they also have way more character moments.
2: Well, then it balances out yeah. here.
1: It's, it's like, like you, you do get to know them as adults. Yeah. And, and they did it in way less time. They than, did. I mean, I don't understand. I don't <laughs> and
0: there's there's a big contrast that they don't really touch on in this film. right? But they do in the novel and the miniseries. And that's the contrast between what happened to Mike, who stayed in Derry. Thank you. And what happened to the rest of the losers who left. Right. They are all incredibly successful. Rich. Mm -hmm. Rich. He's in the novel. It was 1986. He was making $11,000 a year.
1: Yeah. And they all felt like shit. And he looked older than everybody else. Everybody looks great. Everybody's rich. Everybody's successful.
0: But Mike is the lighthouse keeper.
1: Yeah. He stayed behind. Mm -hmm. He looks older. He's
0: broke. Mm -hmm. I remember
1: in the um, miniseries when Bill comes back into town, they're walking around and Bill's like, oh, I remember this. This is poor town. And And Mike's like, that's my house. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, fuck. And (laughs) Bill's like, well, fuck me then. I'm I'm going back to Hollywood.
1: (laughs) But you're totally right. They don't mention that at all.
0: and the other thing that is also very interesting that they bring up in the novel they don't really bring up here is the fact that none of them have children
1: yeah because that's a big and it's a huge thing because
0: richie in particular and i'll get back into the plot in just a second but richie in particular not having children is crazy because he got a vasectomy right and he goes to the doctor like a few years later to get it reversed and his doctor basically tells him that it never took and that they start to realize that it's something about the power of it in dairy has kind of left a printing on them yeah uh, and okay. they talk
1: about stan and his wife trying and trying and trying and trying to get pregnant and they can't yeah so and then bev and tom never got pregnant. right audra and bill yeah. never got pregnant there's
0: no reason for them not to have kids right now except huh. what happened in dairy right. so it's just a few character moments and instead we get like eddie and richie arm wrestling yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> you know and in a bloated movie you can cut a few scenes and add some important shit like this. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or make some scenes shorter.
0: Please. But I <laughs> digress. Mike basically says that things happen in Derry in a cycle of 27 years. You know, the shit that been for some reason said in the first film
1: (laughs) yeah it's like they were like no fuck that give it back to
0: mike yeah that's
1: what it feels like because well you've already
0: you've already made one movie you can't you've committed (laughs) we all saw it (laughs) (laughs) but mike says that they thought they killed it but they didn't he pulls out his journal and starts going through recent events caused by it and the losers are not receptive at first but mike explains that they changed it like it changed them but they didn't stop it and now it's back in pog form. It's not <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> but he reminds them that they made a blood pact and swore to kill it once and for all if it ever came back. That's why they're all here. So, I don't like how they're acting as if Mike is crazy for a second. Yeah. yeah. Because he has first of all, he's the only one that knows everything. If somebody is like the lighthouse keeper and i don't remember a lot of what happened in my childhood but someone's like hey i got all the answers i'm not gonna be like hey let's get him another drink because (laughs) no
1: it also bothers me because in the novel like yeah they don't remember but they know to an extent and mike makes it clear Mm -hmm. like i said this this is a thing right we're not meeting up to have lunch no and i remember eddie specifically when he says goodbye to his wife he's like i'm probably not coming back yeah like they know going into it what so he remembered
2: something he Mm -hmm. remembered
1: enough to know and we might not make it back the other thing
0: bill tells audra he's like because they're in london in the novel he's like you need to stay here because it's dangerous yeah
2: because he knows
0: he (laughs) remembers
2: yeah they knew something yeah Yeah,
1: so i don't like you can't have it both ways that oh when mike called i was scared and i threw up but also what the fuck are we doing (laughs) here? like you can't do both
0: pick a lane yes (laughs) but with the fun of the reunion completely sucked out of the room they open up their fortune cookies the weird thing is though they're all one word fortunes guess it could not cut the men try to solve the message, and I laugh because Richie's like, did you fuck with the fortune cookies, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, why? What? <laughs> why are you blaming him? But a tear rolls down Bev's cheek as she hands over the crucial piece of the puzzle. Her fortune just says, Stanley. When they're finally arranged in the right order, it reads, Guess Stanley could not cut it.
1: I feel like she let it go on for way too long Yeah, uh, Yeah. because they they tried for a really long time to put it together. (laughs) Is it a
0: noun in this sentence? I was like, what the fuck is happening?
1: And there is fortune cookie shit in the novel, but this isn't. And I kind of like this.
0: Yeah. Because it's like,
1: what the like.
0: Yeah. And it kind of lends more to the playful side of Pennywise. Right. Yeah. Because he's a little
1: dick. Yeah, we talked about that too, T. Because you and I both rewatched the miniseries recently. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, "This dude loves his fucking job. Like he has a blast." (laughs) Tim Curry's Pennywise is having a fucking blast. He's swinging a noisemaker, just laughing. (laughs) The The entire film, he is just he's living it up.
0: (laughs) But Eddie wants answers, and nobody has them. Just then, the bowl of fortune cookies begins to vibrate. One cookie hops out, cracking open to reveal some kind of winged insect with the face of a crying baby, just running all over the table, knocking over glasses. No, please. No, none of this. (laughs) I I did wonder if this was their little nod to the fact that none of the losers have kids. So maybe it's a fear of some kind, because otherwise it's just like a Silent Hill situation. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, all right. But another cookie hops out, cracking open, revealing a slimy eyeball with tentacle-like veins crawling towards Richie. Richie's like, that fucking cookie's looking at me, man. (laughs) (laughs) But we see a bat-like wing come out of the third cookie and start flying around the room aimlessly. A bird fetus also makes an appearance. but (laughs) Featuring bird fetus. (laughs) Exactly. He gets a guest starring credit. (laughs) But the bowl of fortune cookies fills with tar and magma-like sludge covering the table. Very similar to when Pennywise was being Eddie with the loogie in the first film. But severed heads and blood fill the surrounding fish tanks, singing some kind of shanty. I don't know what they were saying. (laughs) But Mike snaps, smashing the table with his chair, screaming, it's not real. Now, this is very CGI heavy. Yeah.
1: It is. And that's not my only problem with it. No,
0: I've (laughs) got a. Yeah. (laughs) My, My issue is that even when the cookies are in the bowl, you can tell they're fake. Yeah. And it's like, I read somebody from the production was like, a lot of that was practical. And I'm like, I know you were there, but I don't believe you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But I know better. Yeah, I
0: know. But (laughs) my major problem with this is, first of all, the server runs in in just a second, but Mike smashing the table is absurd. Yeah. Because he's the only one that knows that this is all bullshit completely. You better preach. (laughs) I'm doing my best. Testify. But (laughs) the thing about it is in the novel, they all dummy up and pretend like none of this is real because Otherwise, they're going to draw all this suspicion. And instead, when the server comes in, Mike's smashing the table going, it's not real. And yeah. everybody's yeah. standing <laughs> up against the wall screaming and freaking yeah. out. Yeah. You've,
1: you've enunciated all all of my issues, except for the fact that the shit in the fortune cookies should have been personal fears. Exactly. And it wasn't.
0: No, the thing is, is that the eye is a personal fear of Richie's in the novel. Yeah. But they never bring it up once in the no. films, but they still <laughs> use the eye.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Use a clown baby or yeah, something, some th- but
1: yeah, the server hears the commotion and they're like, "Oh, our friend had an asthma attack, exactly." Because Eddie's kind of struggling to breathe, and right. she's like, oh, "Okay." They're like, "Yeah, we'll take the check." Yeah, but it's like, no, yeah. and now not real. Not real. <laughs> <laughs> like you're telling exactly. You, yeah. You're the one that knows.
0: <laughs> That's it's it's so bothersome because it also makes the server look stupid because she sees all this stuff happening and then she's also probably getting noise complaints from the other tables. <laughs> <laughs> Can you check on that party in there? But. When she comes in, Richie's like, yeah, can we get the check, please? And she's like, yeah, sure thing.
1: It's like, no, you're destroying the property of the
0: restaurant. (laughs) You're going to kick them out now, right? (laughs) Dinner was great. (laughs) (laughs) But the group leaves with Eddie remembering that this is totally Pennywise's bread and butter. But they're all worried about Stan. Again, that should have been Mike that was reminding them that. But whatever. (sighs) Suddenly, Dean, a little boy played by Luke Rosler, calls out to Richie. He tells him, the fun is just beginning, and smiles at him. Richie grabs the kid by the shoulder, screaming in his face, telling him, fuck you, and that he's not afraid. It turns out that this is just a line from his act, and the kid is a fan of his.
1: Never meet your heroes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. It makes me laugh, because Richie's like, you want a picture? And the kid's like, I'm good. (laughs) Hell no, dude. (laughs) And he just returns to his family. Outside the restaurant, Bev calls Stan's wife. Patricia very somberly breaks the news to her that Stan passed away yesterday. She says his wrists. And Bev says in the bathtub before Patricia does.
1: Why is this a speakerphone conversation? It's not. (laughs) It's not like, hey, tell Stan we love him.
0: It really is. She's like, is that the road? Yeah. (laughs) You're in a restaurant? Yeah. But Richie and Eddie are not down for this. Broken promise or no, they get into their cars, bailing back to the Dairy Townhouse Inn against Mike's protests. After Ben checks in on Bev, they do the same. All four very annoyed at Mike for kind of burying the lead here, which was not the case in the novel. In the novel, outside the restaurant, they all agreed to join Mike to fight it, but we'll continue.
1: I hate I hate this. It's like I really really I don't know why they did this.
0: It adds more time to the film.
1: Which it doesn't mean <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs>
0: after, after what they just saw they should all be like, "Yeah, we got to fucking yeah, do this." Yeah,
2: no shit.
0: <laughs> but instead they're like, "We're going to go home." Right. <laughs> Fuck Derry, I guess. I don't know. I guess. But Bill says, "Look, they're all gone. It doesn't make any difference if I stay or not." But Mike begs to show him something that will hopefully change his mind. In the next scene, we're at a baseball game in Derry. Vicky, the little girl from the opening of the film, is sat with her mother, bored out of her mind. A firefly lands on the stuffed animal that Adrian gave her as a prize, but she isn't quick enough to catch it when she tries. It flies off under the bleachers and she sets the stuffed animal down to go follow it.
1: Great parenting.
0: Oh yeah, her mom's like, yeah, uh, we've got three players on the base. I don't know, baseball? (laughs) Three players on the bases. Three players on the bases. But almost whimsical music plays as she descends into the darkness underneath the bleachers but it starts to turn a little eerie as we see the Firefly clasped between two white-gloved hands. Vicky gasps as the light reveals Pennywise's face. He says hello to her and says he knows her name, so he must be her friend. Vicky isn't about that life, though, and tells him he's scary and walks away.
1: I like. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because I'm like, this is 2017. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> She's like, what yeah. the fuck? This is when Pennywise begins to cry, so she turns back. He says people make fun of him for the way he looks and that he'll never have any friends. Vicky says people make fun of her, too, because of her birthmark. Pennywise tells her that he can blow her birthmark away, but she'd have to come really close to him. She agrees, and he says that he'll blow it away on the count of three. One, two, and then he stops and begins to drool. She tells him that he's supposed to say three, but his mouth opens wide and he chomps down on her head. The crowd cheers at the baseball game, unaware of what just happened.
1: I may be alone, but this is the, maybe the only scene in the whole film where Pennywise is actually disturbing to me.
0: 100%.
2: Um,
1: You don't think so, John?
0: Paul?
2: I wasn't scared. I,
1: uh, <laughs> I To oh. me, it was very sad that he played upon this little right. child's insecurity mm-hmm. and that at first she was smart enough to be like, fuck this noise. And he, you know, I feel like we really see what like a trickster he is right, and how yeah. he right. fucking played her to come back and get her. This is the only time where I was like, oh no, probably in the whole film.
0: No, I agree. Probably,
1: probably this is <laughs> this two minute scene was it for me. And
0: you feel so bad for this little girl. Yeah. Where, you know, all she wants is friends. Yes. And she has sympathy for Pennywise. Yeah. And that's what gets her killed. Yeah. And I think that's my thing is that to me, this death a, in a lot of ways, parallels Georgie's death from the first film. And where the miniseries did not touch Adrian Mellon's death at no, all. No, They just had another kid dying. Yeah. Part of me is wondering if this would have been more successful as an opening as opposed to Adrian Mellon's death. Even though Adrian was in the novel and Vicky wasn't, I think this is more of a catalyst for Mike to be
2: like, oh, shit.
1: Well, and to be fair...
2: Right, because it was a kid. Exactly. Yeah.
1: To be fair, in the novel, you know, Adrian Mellon is like the beginning yeah mm-hmm. and Mike's like mm, I don't know maybe it wasn't him and then a couple more kids die and he's like mm, I don't know I don't want to make these phone calls yet and then the- <laughs> yeah he puts it up yeah. for months
3: <laughs> and then it's, it's me like me making phone <laughs> exactly and then
1: the last one in the miniseries Georgie's picture is left there so he's See, like now nah, I got to fucking yeah him.
0: god damn it but anyways I feel like and we- the pictures left in the novel yeah but we don't get that picture scare from the first film to where it makes sense no
1: Yeah. you're right but i feel like um we could have had both it happens with adrian and then we see mike like "Mm, fuck i don't know and then this happens with vicky and he's like it's fucking pennywise i feel like that would have made more sense because as you pointed out john paul last night adrian's not a child no
0: yeah so and the other thing is that maybe i'm wrong but i don't remember come home being written at adrian's crime scene
1: it wasn't at Adrian's.
0: So I'm like, again, it was at a, ch- a child. Right. Yeah. If you, if you would have done both and make Vicky the catalyst, it's more, it makes Mike look less crazy. Yeah. Right. Because this could be, I mean, just cause someone says they saw a clown, people see shit all the time. Yeah. You know, but when you have two scenes, eerily reminiscent especially of georgie's death and i'm not right, gonna lie right. i
1: kind of like mike being like maybe not maybe not like him yeah. having that denial yeah, of, of maybe it's just a murder maybe, maybe it's not maybe it's just child abduction maybe yeah. you know, like
0: and it feeds into all the losers because none of them want to have to do this again right, right, right. but mike's like is that a dead person all
2: right hey hey, bill, <laughs> hey big bill we need to a- <laughs> i it's not that i didn't like the scene i just like, i don't know i was just like he's not not very scary anymore. I was like, <laughs> he's, well, not,
1: no. he's not scary in this film. I will no, say that flat out. This I, was the only one that I was like, not her. Like, yeah, don't, no. don't. I liked seeing how he is.
0: He's cunning.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I was like, right? what's what's <laughs> yeah. a word for this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not jumping out of uh the fucking projector screen. No. Right, he's right. Not, like, this was unsettling. Mm hmm. Because, again, he played upon this little girl's sympathies and her own insecurities. Right. He wasn't bah! like, he, you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? And I feel what like, you got?
0: What you got? What you got?
1: <laughs> exactly. I feel like we've had enough of that from him. So yes. seeing right, right. This, it was disturbing. And
0: the other thing is that we're dealing with adults now. So yeah. let's have some more mature scares.
1: And you know what? Yeah. It's, it's funny that you said that because I remember them saying that before the film came out. Uh huh that the first one was gonna play upon like childhood fears and this one, is gonna scare adults because he's coming after the adults now. And I'm like, bitch, where? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta disagree.
0: Yeah, plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> but back at the psych ward, the security guard sees someone on the monitor walking down the hallway. Now, much like in the novel, the security guard's name is Kuntz, mm-hmm. and he's looking at dog videos.
1: Oh shit!
0: So I was like, "Are they?
1: <laughs> is this a is feud?" It, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Holy shit!"
0: Poor Dean Coons. But Coons <laughs> goes to check it out, and it turns out it's Andre, the orderly. But his throat is slashed. His clothes completely covered in blood. He collapses to reveal Henry behind him with his knife, laughing.
1: He's having the time of his life. <laughs> he is.
0: <laughs> he's got. He's reinvigorated. Yeah. <laughs> we don't see what happens to Coons, but we do see Henry leaving the building busting through an already cut hole in the fence. He gets into a car driven by Patrick's corpse.
1: Yeah, he's like, let's roll. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Get in, loser. We're gonna kill them all. <laughs> but they drive away. At this point, I'm like, so what's real here? Yeah. yeah. yeah
2: no, that's a good point, <laughs> you know? too. I thought that, I was like, wait, what? How is he, like... He's not a werewolf, because <laughs> we all know what happens there, but... Yeah. I... <laughs> I think my thing is like,
0: okay, so I'll allow the fact that he's seeing Patrick. Mm-hmm. Right. But now I have to believe that Patrick <laughs> stole a car <laughs> <laughs> and Henry's riding passenger.
1: Yeah. He's not even. Yeah. Trying. Yeah.
0: In the novel, I think Henry walks for a while and then eventually steals a car. Yeah. Patrick, I think it's Victor. Is it Victor that visits him in the psych ward? Yeah, I think it is. So it's not even Patrick. No. So I'm just like, <laughs> what he's is going on? What they wanted. Yeah. But. To reiterate, though, Patrick does look very cool. He does. Mm -hmm. So, And he's kind of got like a slack-jawed expression at the camera. I'm like, all right. It's okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) But back in Derry, the losers arrive at the Derry townhouse. Richie's not wasting any time getting all of his shit to bail. Bev heads straight for the bar, taking a shot, and Ben follows close behind her. He asks her to tell him how she knew that Stan died in the bathtub. Richie joins the chat, asking how as well, but Bev walks away from them. She finally admits that she knows because she saw it, she's seen all of them die.
1: That's a bombshell. Yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe lead with that? I mean. <laughs> but Bill and Mike arrive at the library. Bill surveys an axe that's inside of a glass case and he kind of reminisces on his time there a little bit. He follows Mike upstairs to his apartment, and the place is filled with books, photographs. It looks like Mike's been trying to crack the Zodiac case in here. It does. <laughs> <laughs> But Mike pours Bill a glass of water and he takes a sip. Mike says that memory is the key to understanding everything and that it doesn't know what he knows. He says he researched all the way back to the beginning, how it started. So I'm not a big fan of frantic Mike.
1: It's a no from me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's like we said, the lighthouse keeper. And I always imagined Mike a little more level headed. Yeah. It's very difficult to get people to believe you when you're doing all this ranting and raving. Yeah. And also, he holds up some paper and he's like, I interviewed people in town. And he just throws it down. That is such <laughs> a, an important factor yeah. in the book. Yeah. He gets all these cool Pennywise stories. Well, cool to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not to them. No. Stories from all these people. And right. We don't get to hear any of these cool stories.
1: Like we had talked about the Bradley gang right, last right. time. That was... I think Mr. Keane from the pharmacy, who's mm-hmm. not a pedophile in the book, yeah. um, told him that story. So yeah, it's it's yeah, very important. And like he went through a lot of effort to get in good with these people to right. learn all this history. But yeah. And yeah.
0: C- crazy Mike, they'd be like, stay away from that guy. <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't give him the time yeah, of day. I see what you're saying. And it, to me it just robs Mike of all it the does. authority right. that he should have. But Mike holds up an 18th century Shakopeean artifact, admitting that he stole it. <laughs> he says that the Shakopewas showed him a vision. And as Bill looks at the artifact, the carvings on it begin to move. Everything gets a little warped. And he, Bill says that he feels funny. Mike explains that a native shaman took him in and fed him their sacred Maturin. And we see a native man handing Mike a cup inside of a smoke filled tent. As Mike drinks, the shaman tells him, all living things must abide by the laws of the shape they inhabit. We see Mike losing his shit inside the tent before we're treated to his vision. He sees it arriving on Earth like a comet. Back in the apartment, Mike admits that he dosed Bill with a root in his water to get him to see as well. Mm-hmm. This man
2: really just drugged his friend. <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: Waiter, I'll have what he's having. I mean, <laughs> that's he, fine. Okay, and <laughs> also, okay. psychedelic. Yeah,
1: but he took <laughs> yes, a sip please. and was like, "Nah," like a sip. Yeah. Uh, and this dude is well, fucked up. Mike. What if he drank the whole glass? Bill's like, well, "You
0: drugged me," and he goes, "Well, I just put a little listen, root." Yeah. It's like, the, uh, you drugged well, you're him. You're being a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, like, I just don't get that at all. But (laughs) Mike holds up the artifact to Bill and it begins to glow. Bill sees it arriving on Earth, lights landing deep underground. Through animation, we see various monstrous incarnations of it slaughtering the Shakopee people. We see them gathered in a circle, holding hands and chanting. Mike says that they showed him how to stop it as we see three lights descending into the artifact and the Shakopee leader putting a lid on top of it. Bill snaps back to reality, calling what he saw the ritual of Chud. Now, I don't know how Bill knows that that's what it's called just from his vision when Mike lived the fucking thing. (laughs) He should have just told him. But Mike says that that's how they kill it. And now that Bill has seen, they have to get the others to live up to their promise. He says it will not work without all of them.
1: It tripped me out as well because Bill's freaking out or whatever. And Mike's like, it's over. It's over. You can't tell somebody that their trip <laughs> yeah, is over. No.
0: Like, not- <laughs> you're just going to make me trip harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that's not how the- Mike's like, you're done. It's yeah. like, no, that's not how that works.
2: Thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he just sounds crazy. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> fuck?
1: I've been, and I know you all can't see me, but. I've just been rolling my eyes the whole time. Yes. he has been describing this. I've noticed. My, <laughs> this is my issue, okay? They did this as children in the novel. Richie, well, they all tried to do it together, but the smoke was too much for them. So Richie and Mike stayed and saw this entire vision of it coming to Earth,
3: mm-hmm.
1: waiting, you know. You didn't do that. No. You said... Mr. Muschietti that you didn't want to do the cosmic shit. You said that in the first one. So either you're not going to do it or you should have laid this groundwork in the first film. and You didn't. So stop it.
0: (laughs) That's that's (laughs) (laughs) that's for me. Exactly right. I two things. One, this feels so rushed, especially for the massive concepts they're trying to explain. Right this yep. is
1: cosmic like yes. multi-dimensional fucking like there's bananas a, shit
0: there's a macro verse <laughs> yes. you know and the thing is to your point considering that none of these aspects were presented in the first film right if you haven't read the novel like jp this must have been like what the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. is happening
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you get a little confused okay <laughs> It just it it did and and like I said I told your sister a few times I was like I don't know what the fuck's (laughs) happening it's like they're just I was like of course you don't of course
0: you don't yeah there's no (laughs) way you don't explain it Yeah. yeah but back at the dairy townhouse Bev explains that she has nightmares every night about people dying Bill and Mike arrive as Bev says that she's seen every member of the Losers Club in the place that Stan wound up. Richie asks why she's so special that she's having these visions and Mike gets it immediately. The deadlights. We flash back and see young Bev floating after staring into the deadlights of Pennywise's tooth-filled mouth.
1: We we remember.
0: Yeah, it was the opening yeah. of the film. We
1: remember that and you've already shown it to us, but thank you.
0: Yeah, so over-explain this, but don't explain.
1: It's <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> also, I don't mean to jump back. No, go for it. We, we're moving on, but that's not the ritual of Chud.
0: No, it's not. If
1: I may... The ritual of chud is that you, the person going against the demon or entity and this demon or entity bite each other's tongues. Stay mm-hmm. with me. Stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> bite each other's tongues. John Paul's eyes got real big. Yeah. And tell each other jokes. And the first one to laugh loses. That like, is the ritual yeah. of chud.
0: Now it makes sense in the context that, you're battling against an evil, so it makes sense that joy would be the thing to defeat it. Right. But at the same time, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 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 and I and I know this from reading the novel, but it's still very strange to me. It's like...
1: It makes me laugh because you just want to accept it and be like, "Oh yeah, that's it's an ancient whatever." Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Fucking Stephen King made this <laughs>
0: no. up. It, it
2: doesn't make any sense. So, but, how am I supposed to
0: <laughs> catch this thing and bite and his bite tongue? Yeah. Well, you have to be thrown into the macroverse. You have to be thrown. <laughs> To thanks, thanks to a turtle <laughs> <laughs> the turtle and, and that was that was a nod Maturin
1: yes that's the turtle's name and the whole reason that we even exist is because that turtle got sick and threw up and we're the throw up our universe is the throw
0: up and he carries it on his back
1: <laughs> both slow uh, looking
2: right yeah so uh,
1: anyway that is the um, shorthand ver- version of the ritual of Chud so don't no be saying that that <laughs> Just leave it out. Leave it out. Y'all left it out of the first one. Leave it out of this one. And to me,
0: that's fine because... Outside of what looks like the underbelly of a turtle shell at one point in the miniseries, uh-huh. they leave this out completely. You don't get that completely. either. All right. And so,
1: and and to a point, and I'm always that, no, it should be like it is in the book. I'm always that person, but I get it, dude. You can't fucking, you no. can't do the yeah. matter. You can't do that. <laughs> I get it.
0: Unless you do a miniseries. Right. That Mike Flanagan does. The,
1: by Mike Flanagan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Please. Because that's the only way it would be, you know, proper. But- Mike says that they were all changed after their encounter with IT, and it's been growing inside of them like a cancer for 27 years. Richie realizes that IT was able to kill Stan first because he was the weakest of the seven. But Bev's visions will all come true for them if they don't get with the program and defeat IT.
1: Wait, she's been seeing all of them die every night for 27 years, but she didn't recognize Ben?
0: I guess she's like, who are these strangers that are dying? Oh, that, my God. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah. so are you, are you just dreaming of random people? <laughs> or guess, is there? <laughs> well, she said she's been dreaming about people dying. Maybe they've just been some of the people. Like who? Whatever. Like just, I don't <laughs> Sorry, know. <this> <laughs> well, very casual commentary. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But Eddie asks, how? Mike just drops keywords: The ritual of Chud, the Shakapiwa even shares the shaman saying but richie's not buying it and suggests that they just try again in 27 years here's the thing though bev says none of them will live for another 20 years i'm like were there calendars next to the corpses yeah. <laughs> they were holding a newspaper yeah. with the date <laughs> that's tomorrow <Yeah. laughs> but the bottom line is it's either kill it during this cycle or they're all dead and i hate this simply because it changes the motivation of fighting it altogether exactly Mm -hmm. all it is is they realize that they've sworn a duty to each other right they have to do something because they promised that they would but in this film it's like look if we don't kill it we're gonna die yeah so now it's selfish
1: in the book it was we are probably going to die but we have to try Exactly.
0: it was they were (laughs) like It's just, And it it adds unnecessary time to the film, considering in the novel they all agreed already at the restaurant that they were going to fight It. So what is this? (laughs) I don't know. Neither do I. (laughs) Neither do I. Bill validates Mike's ramblings, and Mike explains that the only way the ritual will work is if they remember. Richie asks, remember what? And we then see the Losers Club walking through downtown Derry. We then get a shot of the Young Losers Club walking through the Barrens. Finally, the present-day Losers Club arrives in the Barrens at an underground clubhouse that they claim been built, which we never fucking saw. Thank you. Would love to have seen <laughs> yeah. that. But go off. Because, again, that leads to his career as being an architect.
1: Not only that, yeah. but we would have felt some kind of pull of nostalgia or something right. seeing them here after having seen them there as proper children. right? Yes. these right. fucking weird things that we get in the But... <laughs> We'll get to that. We. Why didn't you do this in the first one?
0: I don't know. Did they have uh,
1: no idea what the
0: second film was going to be? They must not have because, I mean, it makes no sense to bring this up as such an important location in the second film. Right. It
2: feels like you're cleaning up a mess you made. Right, yeah. right. No, yeah. Yeah. And hmm. again, and I know I complained about it earlier, <laughs> There's nobody in town when they're walking around. There's no, there's not. not. Where the fuck are the <laughs> it's like people a ghost of this town. town? It is. Yeah.
0: And the thing is, is in the novel, it was like the symbiotic situation with Pennywise. He made Derry prosperous.
1: Oh yeah, Derry was doing very well for being a small town. Yeah. Where <laughs> I don't know. Where's the I don't people?
0: Know. I do. I wish I could help you. <laughs> but on their walk, Bev trips, but Bill catches her, and Ben is not pleased.
1: <laughs> Poor Ben. Poor yeah. Ben.
0: She tells Bill that he hasn't changed, which is a good thing. Ben looks for a door for their clubhouse, accidentally crashing through it and falling inside.
1: Nobody saw that coming, right? No. And
0: he's like, found it. I'm like, all right, Leslie Vernon. (laughs) Don't (laughs) Don't do do this. You can't. But he shouts for them to come down. We tilt up to the ladder to see the Young Losers Club in 1989 coming into the clubhouse. They ask Ben when he built it, and he says, here and there, I guess, but mostly here. (laughs) Ben says it was already dug out so he just reinforced it he leans against a pillar and another piece falls off so it's very good for a first try (laughs) Eddie starts going off about safety regulations but stops when he sees one of those I guess paddle balls Mm -hmm. he plays with it until it breaks right in Stan's face so the actor who plays Eddie his voice has clearly been changed oh yeah
1: I actually to piggyback on that Before you continue. Okay. I read that he was 4'11 in the first film. And in this film, he was
0: 5'6. Holy shit.
1: These kids, you got them at a time where they are shooting up like every other
2: day. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying earlier about them, you know, having them on set and all that Mm -hmm. for the first movie. Why wouldn't you just film all exactly. of this then? That's what leads had, me to believe that they had no fucking clue. Well, I'm sure you're right because <laughs> you would have, right? Just yeah. look, we're going to use this for the second movie. Let's do this now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if you have them there, mm-hmm. just get the get the takes yeah. and this is for later. Or yeah. f- just film a
1: bunch of extra shit that you might use. And right. that's the
0: thing and, is that you can, it makes a lot more sense to fit in the adult stuff with what you have of the kids stuff yes. right yeah uh i'm thinking about boyhood richard linklater uh-huh he filmed that movie over like 20 years right. or whatever and he didn't bring a kid back and be like, okay now i'm sorry i fucked up you gotta <laughs> t- pretend yeah. to be 12 <laughs> you know so i'm just like i just don't understand and that's an indie film so you're telling me that this big studio film couldn't make it work yeah they knew it was gonna be a massive hit yeah I'm just so confused because this is really where it got me because Eddie in particular, his voice is clearly deeper and they pitch shifted his voice and you can tell. It
2: sounds bad. It sounds awful. And the whole thing with the ball, he didn't seem like that. And like the toy no, when he no, breaks and he's like, oh, oh, fuck you. Yeah. And it was like, they make didn't him, seem like that in the first true. one. They make him seem hyperactive. Yeah. And that was more of
1: like a Richie thing to do. Exactly. I yeah.
0: But- I don't know.
1: But yeah, did they sound like faster? Did they sound like
0: I think I think that's a result of the pitch shift. Yeah.
1: I don't like it.
0: No. Because yeah, Eddie was is a fucking off. if Richie's trash mouth, he's motor mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, that kid talked very quickly yeah. in the first one. So like this Maybe was, have him slow down. It was it was a lot. It was a whole lot.
0: But back in present day, Eddie finds the ball that broke off of the paddle ball. The rest of the losers are looking at assorted objects, and suddenly we hear Pennywise's voice from the shadows. "Hey, losers! Time to float!" The group tenses up, but it's just Richie being an asshole.
1: But so now you remember that?
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah. You didn't remember
1: that but five minutes ago.
0: Here's here's the thing, though. He goes, "Remember any? Remember when he used to say that shit and do that dance?" And now I laughed very hard at this, but, <laughs> but Richie was not there no. for that dance. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> so. It's not even a matter of his memory, it's a matter of Bev would've had to have told him that it happened.
1: But, and T, you had mentioned before we sat down that some of the funnier moments felt like they weren't supposed to be in the film, like it was just Bill Hader ripping, and they were like, no, that's good. That felt like it to it me. Did. That it felt, felt like it should have been an outtake. Because you know yeah. who would
0: say that? Someone who saw the first movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's an issue is that a lot of the time it seems... When you're filming stuff, you're going to get a lot of comedic takes. Especially right. when
1: you're working with a comedian. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it seems to me that Muschietti decided to use those takes instead of just laughing at them behind the scenes. Right. And I, sometimes it works because this made me laugh, even though it shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes they don't. But... After the poor reception to what I thought was a hilarious joke, (laughs) Bill finds a coffee can that has a note on it that reads, for losers only, Stan. He opens it to find a shower cap. We then transition to 1989 with Stan holding the shower caps out to everyone to keep their hair free of spiders inside the clubhouse. Now, that's a very good bit of foreshadowing.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: But again, this would have hit harder if this had happened in the first film. Exactly. Eddie and Richie argue over the use of a hammock while Ben reinforces the place with a hammer and nails. Bev's like, you're awful good at this new kid. I'm like, when was this supposed to have happened?
2: Yeah, why wouldn't you have just left Mike and his job, like you said in the novel where he's, as a kid, he's given the information and he's whatever, and then you could have had Ben do in the, this in the
1: first one exactly right, in yeah the per- yeah i don't fucking know
0: because <laughs> now everybody has a purpose and it's right. fulfilled by their adult counterpart yeah, yeah. but instead it's like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's calling him new kid but they're already the losers club with mike
2: right so this oh, had to happen so yeah, after, after the after. rock fight yeah. after
0: <laughs> exactly so i'm just very confused so as to when this happened like you yeah. know, not know so him. they're like
1: members she called him that first one.
0: yeah <laughs> But the group then starts to talk about their plans for whenever they leave Derry. Stan asks if they'll all still be friends when they're older because everything will be different. The group reassures him that they will, and Bev says that he doesn't have to be so, and then adult Bev finishes the sentence, sad. They wonder what Stan was like as an adult, and Richie says probably what he was like as a kid, the best. Richie finally asks why they're down here, and Mike says that each of them will be required to find an artifact from their past to sacrifice for the ritual of Chud. He says he wanted them all together to find Stan's artifact, which turns out was the shower cap.
1: Again, would have meant a lot more if we had seen that at the beginning. Yeah. Also... Would have been meant a lot more if they had given young Stan a crumb of characterization <laughs> in the fucking first film because yeah. they're like yeah. he was the best. No, he wasn't. He barely yeah. talked. Yeah. He had a weird encounter with the painting.
0: You didn't even let him cut their hands. You,
1: god damn it. <laughs> when yes. that's
0: Stan was the one that made them swear in the novel. Yeah, I but, know. I complained oh, about it in the yeah. first one, but yeah. now I'm
1: even angrier about it. I feel like that would have made
0: more <laughs> sense for them to be so wistful over Stan. Right. I understand you grew up with him, but if he's the one that's like, look, promise. Right. He's the one that cuts your hands. He was the best. He was the best.
1: Yeah. And uh (laughs) didn't this whole go find your artifact, didn't it feel kind of like a like a video game quest to anybody else?
0: (laughs) It's like finding the bottles in Life is Strange. It's like can we just find one (laughs) bottle?
1: (laughs) it just I don't know it bugged me and I remember enjoying this movie for the most part when we saw it at the theater but at the theater when he did this I was like I don't know if I like this yeah
0: <laughs> but the losers climb out of the clubhouse and Richie says this scavenger hunt mission is ridiculous considering they already remember everything
1: it is ridiculous
0: but
3: it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But as it turns out, there are holes in their memories that they somehow still aren't remembering, and that's the point of gathering these artifacts. So they split up to find them and meet up later. Richie again says splitting up is stupid. He says being together is what helped them defeat It, and Bill reminds them that they actually weren't together the whole summer. That's when we get a flashback to 1989 where Bill punched Richie in the face after their first encounter with Pennywise and they split up and we got that Life is Strange montage.
1: Yeah. But like the flashback goes on for a while. It does.
0: (laughs) And it's not even the correct montage because I remember Richie bumping Bill on his way out and he just walks right past him. Yeah. So I'm like, what is happening? Maybe he's not remembering it, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But we see Bill walking Bev home the day of the fight. In 1989, with Bev reassuring him that this separation is probably just temporary, but Bill says he isn't so sure. He rides away, and we pull back to reveal adult Bev reliving this memory, another great transition. Bev looks up to her old building before heading inside and ringing the doorbell of the apartment that she shared with her father. An Old Woman, Mrs. Kirsch, played by Joan Gregson, answers. Once Bev says that she grew up here with her father, Mrs. Kirsch opens the door and breaks the news to her that her father passed away. So I guess she didn't murk him in the first film like we thought. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was, I am like actively watching this because I really love the scene right. in the book and in the miniseries. Right. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, here we go. Here we go. And like halfway through, I'm like, wait, I thought her dad fucking died.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Bill rocks up on their spot and he's still out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's dead.
1: And then she's like, I'm going to go live with my aunt. And yeah. he's like, oh, fuck. And that was it. Yeah. And that was it. Because yeah. my
0: father is dead. <laughs> but no. And the other thing we'll talk about is that Mrs. Kirsch, her voice sounded different between her answering the door and her opening the door. And we'll find out why in just a bit. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Kirsch invites Bev in for a spot of tea. Bev looks around and admits that it's cleaner than she remembers.
1: Very quickly. When Bev comes inside, uh-huh. Mrs. Kirsch like looks around and closes the door all eerily. Mm-hmm.
0: Don't do that. Really
1: wish they wouldn't have done that. I have
0: yeah. one moment that is really bad in a moment <laughs> coming up, but while Mrs. Kirsch gets the water boiling, Bev takes it upon herself to check out the rest of the apartment. We flash back to 1989, and we see a young Bev observing her father, Alvin Marsh, played again by Stephen Bogart, seated at a table. He's holding a picture of Bev's mom and remarks that it's her birthday today. He has an old piece of her clothing, and he says that he can still smell her perfume it's revealed that Bev's mother committed suicide, which Alvin says is Bev's fault.
1: This dude just gets worse and worse. He does. It's yeah. like, <laughs> You're a cartoon at this point. Nobody yeah. is, I mean, I'm sure people are this bad or whatever, but yeah. come on, dude, like, come on.
0: Well, he screams at her to come closer, and after he makes her close her eyes, he sprays her mom's perfume all over the both of them.
1: You're wasting it. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was happening. I don't know.
0: He promises Bev he'd never hurt her, and they hug. He says she'll always be his little girl, and she replies with a wounded, always. I don't think this is necessary because we already know their history.
2: No, it's not necessary. Yeah, I, I was like, what the fuck is, what, what's happening?
0: I think they just liked working with Steven Bogert. What?
1: <laughs> Ooh, okay, bring him back and have maybe a nice moment of them eating a yeah, meal together. something. Something yeah. that made Bev he's still my dad he's this piece of shit and this horrible stuff is happening but Mm -hmm. have that dichotomy in her tom was sweet to her for a moment and then he turned it like that exactly
0: but instead a little depth yeah a little depth so adult bev continues her tour of the apartment in what appears to be mrs kirsch's sewing room Bev tears open the baseboards to find a bag filled with items she hid in the walls. It's
2: disrespectful like, yeah. as
0: fuck. Yeah, fuck up my house. Cool.
2: Now, <laughs> that's, that's I'm what making i what I you tea. Yeah. Are you not worried about this lady coming back yeah. catching you in like, her? What are you doing? Her, her baseboards up. It's awful. And also,
0: some CG bugs crawl out when she opens the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Unnecessary. But inside the bag, Bev finds her old keys, a pack of cigarettes, and most importantly, Ben's poem that he wrote on the back of a postcard, which she reads aloud. The camera shifts around Bev so that we get an out-of-focus shot of Mrs. Kirsch at the end of the hallway watching her. She turns to head back to the kitchen, but we see her, she walks away, almost a combination of like a marionette, but also having electricity course through her body. It's very strange and gives everything away way too soon.
1: Yeah, and has like a little,
0: yeah. is when she does it? <laughs> Don't Stop. do that.
1: Stop it. Just
0: let me live this scene. This part is
1: so cool. Stop. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Bev and Miss Kirsch sit down for a bit of tea after Mrs. Kirsch puts on a record. She apologizes for the heat, saying that it gets so hot you feel like you could die. But then she says, you know what they say about dairy, no one who dies here ever really dies. Then she just stares at Bev for what feels like fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, and if this was the first weird thing she'd done, I would have loved it.
0: Oh yes. yeah. Cause yeah. even in the
1: novel, like they're drinking tea together and Bev's like, her teeth are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Her teeth were white when she opened the door. What the hell's going on? Like it's yes, let it
2: like, gradually. gradually yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I'm mad.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then she asks Bev how it is being back in Derry. Bev says, strange, and Mrs. Kirsch asks how. And she fans herself with her shirt, but as she does this, Bev notices ulcers on her chest. A timer goes off in the kitchen, so she tells Bev to stay put. Bev tries to excuse herself, but to no avail. She walks around the living room, looking at old pictures of Mrs. Kirsch's family. Mrs. Kirsch says that her father came over from the old country with $14 in his pocket, and then she says that her father joined the circus. I say fodder because that's how she said it. Yeah. yeah. Which is in the novel, which I thought was cool.
1: It is. It, but she says a lot more about her fodder. I don't know if you oh, remember no, it in the it's, novel. No, it's a lot.
0: They uh, shrunk it down a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> but we then zoom into an old sepia-toned photo of Bob Gray and a young Mrs. Kirsch as a child standing in front of Pennywise's cart. We zoom further into Bob's face, who appears identical to Pennywise minus the makeup. Mm-hmm. We also get a great shot of Bev's realization and in the background we see a very out of focus Mrs. Kirsch peeking at her from around the corner. Again, how cool would that have been if that was the start of the reveal? That
1: would have been awesome. She honestly looked kind of funny peeking around. Oh shit, you you getting it? (laughs) Is she looking at it?
0: (laughs) But the music on the record begins to warp and we get another shot of Bev but we see Mrs. Kirsch in the background dancing naked across the doorway.
1: No thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) I
0: was like, no. I I wasn't scared. That just made me laugh. It's
1: not scary. I'm like, so she's just
0: burning, doing the neutron dance. And like, (laughs) how is this supposed to be? But
1: (laughs) you interrupted her. This is how she makes
0: cookies. (laughs) Exactly. It's part of the process. But we hear Mrs. Kirsch say that she was always daddy's little girl. Then she asks Beverly if she's still her father's little girl, her voice getting deeper. Now I can tell you that when she opened the door at the beginning, her voice was provided by Bill Scarsgard. I actually love that. I noticed that her voice changed throughout, and I was like, wait a minute. But we hear loud footsteps approaching, and then a very tall, very naked, woman-like creature chases Beverly.
1: Very CGI, yeah. woman-like creature. Now, I they hated say, this.
0: I did, too. They say that this creature was played by Javier Botet. But I feel like it was played Where? maybe before the effects
2: were added. I feel like this would have been terrifying if this was like practical effects. Yes. You didn't need you don't need to CGI everything.
0: No, and that's a huge problem with this movie. This,
2: especially this monster. That wasn't anything <laughs> no. like no. crazy. Because if that thing would have looked like real, real, Uh oh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, even so,
1: like in the novel and in the miniseries, she's drinking tea with her. And then she looks back up and it's her father in Mrs. Kirsch's dress. And he's like, sometimes I worry about you, Bevy. And you're like, fuck. (laughs) Um,
0: And she drops her tea. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Well,
0: in the novel, her tea turns out to be... Raw sewage. Yeah, and she realizes, and she's like, "I took a sip of that." Yeah, and it's shit. It's like, (laughs) thank you. Sorry.
1: It's slowly as things are starting to come apart. Like when she's like, "That she didn't look like that." It's like
2: reality starting
1: to set in. But this is just like the fuck. Is Bev? Does Bev have have a fear of naked old ladies? Like, I I, (laughs) what is this?
0: And it, I mean, you could say, well, maybe she has a fear of growing old, but then you're like, no, she We've doesn't.
1: never talked about that. Yeah. And, the and she th- doesn't even think she's going to grow old. No. Yeah. So I, I hate she's it. She's like the
0: newspaper, remember? <laughs> but the other thing about it is in the novel, it's more of like a Hansel and Gretel witch situation. Uh-huh. And here it's just a naked witch CG'd. I'm right, just like, uh, but...
1: So we're not having cookies or... well, yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe
0: she's about to serve them. You said. Yeah. Because the tea wasn't great, so I <laughs> need... <laughs> But Bev runs to the front door, and the apartment suddenly appears dilapidated. She stares down a long hallway that has just suddenly appeared, and a door opens at the end of it. We see Pennywise as Bob Gray telling Bev that she hasn't changed anything or saved anyone. We see as he puts his clown makeup on, and he tells Bev that if she doesn't believe, she should just close her eyes and see. He scratches bloody wounds into his own face and laughs. Bev runs out of the building and turns around to see the apartment is very much condemned. I like that part. I do yeah. too. Especially when we see Pennywise as Bob Gray Yeah, and he scratches his that face. Is that oh, yeah. I liked.
1: It looked fake. Yeah, But right. the idea of it, I'm uh-huh. like, I'm not mm-hmm. mad at this. This is actually pretty creepy.
0: And it looked fake in a way that didn't completely take me out of it. Right, right. right. And I think a lot of that is Skarsgård's performance. Mm-hmm.
1: He's just, I, I appreciate him. My only thing is, I don't know. And maybe this is more, we're going to make it adult scares or whatever. I feel like he didn't shine in this one like he did in the first one. He also looked weird to me. And I don't, I don't, I read that (laughs) in the first film, I'm just fucking roasting him. (laughs) I feel like in in the first film, I read that it took them five hours to put his makeup on every time. And that this time it took two and a half. And I'm like, is that, is it, is the makeup different? Something about Hmm. him looked very weird to me. And I was praising him the whole first movie. I know you were there. But this time, I don't know if they don't utilize him as well. Or I don't know what it is, but he didn't, I don't feel the same way.
0: There's something different about him. Right? I just can't put my finger on it. I was
1: like, I feel crazy, but I know, I know that there is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But in the next scene, we see Richie walking into the old theater, which is now for lease. He finds the old Street Fighter arcade game and he scores a token to play it. We flash back to 1989, and we see Richie playing against a kid called Connor, played by Rye Pryor. Richie asks if he wants to play again, and then we see Henry come out of a side hatch, flanked by Belch, played by Jake Sim, and Victor, played by Logan Thompson. Connor notices them, and he suddenly is all like, why are you being weird? I'm not your fucking boyfriend. Well,
1: because they slap. Like five or whatever Mm -hmm. after they finish playing, and their hands linger for a second. They do. And everybody's cool with everything until Henry's Mm -hmm. punk ass walks in.
0: And it turns out that Connor is Henry's cousin. Yeah. And so Henry lays into Richie, dropping some gay slurs and forcing Richie to leave the arcade.
1: It
2: escalates very quickly.
0: Very quickly.
2: Where are the adults? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? The the attendant at the arcade. Where are you? Is this just dairy bullshit? Again, yeah, Where? come on. There's kids here mm-hmm. playing the arcade. There has to be an <laughs> right. adult somewhere. And
0: when you haven't explained why the people of Derry turn a blind eye to it. Right. You it doesn't need make to any have, sense.
2: Yeah, you're 100% right. It's like, come on. I can. I, I'll give you whatever else. The streets, they were empty maybe. They were just on a side of town where nobody was or whatever. But again, I don't care what year it is. Somebody's got to be supervising these kids, yeah, or their business, because they're gonna break the arcade, yeah. <laughs> and you true. paid for em. no, you're yeah, right, you're you're 100%, 100%. yeah. Because when we'd go to the arcades, a motherfucker watched us like a hawk, <laughs> <laughs> like for real. I miss the arcades, but they would. Hey, kid, don't do that, or uh-huh. hey, you know, We're whatever. Like, God damn it, yeah, and it's well, like, pff, not Mary. You know? no.
0: no. But Richie rushes to the park, crying on a bench under the shadow of a giant Paul Bunyan statue. We hear a deep voice say, want to kiss Richie? And we see that the Paul Bunyan statue is gone. The statue now, falling apart and ghoulish, leans over the bench and roars bats into Richie's face.
1: Now, the Paul Bunyan statue was a thing in the novel. Uh-huh. Okay. The execution, I feel, is very odd. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I know all these kids got the treatment or whatever to de-age them. Ben Wolfhard, <laughs> yeah, they went fucking ham on his face. He looks crazy to me.
2: It it looks unnatural, <laughs> kind of <laughs> like what they did to Superman and the oh. just-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he got it the worst out of. I don't know. Maybe he physically looked like he
2: like the m- grew old? the
1: most. Right. Yeah. but they
0: they chill, fucked him up,
1: dude. He doesn't even look like a human anymore.
0: Now yeah. the thing, let me. Paul Bunyan chases Richie with an axe, (laughs) (laughs) wreck and shop along the way. Richie collapses on the ground, telling himself that it isn't real. And just like that, everything's back to normal. Now, I read that since it's in the novel and they couldn't fit it in the budget of the miniseries, Stephen King specifically requested this scare in the film, but it just doesn't work.
1: I guess it comes down to execution. I don't know, because even in the novel, everybody's walking around normal around him and he's like nobody sees this like yeah. it's, it's a weird like scary traumatizing moment mm-hmm. but yeah here i was just like oh of course like, yeah i felt like dennis <laughs> now the crabs have machines yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fucking whatever dude And fine. i'm sorry but the paul Bunyan design isn't even creepy to me no like, it looks very cartoony yeah it just doesn't work but present day richie arrives at the park observing the statue Behind him, we see a ton of people, including a group of cheerleaders, just doing their own thing. A man hands Richie a flyer for the festival, and when he turns around, it's revealed to be the corpse of Adrian Mellon.
1: Richie didn't know him.
0: He didn't. Yeah. But I do like what this is kind of saying, which we'll learn a little later in the film. When Richie does look at the flyer, though, it's revealed to be a funeral flyer for Richie's own funeral, which I thought was maybe a callback to the missing persons poster. Right. But Richie looks up to see Pennywise seated on Paul Bunyan's shoulder, holding dozens of red balloons. He asks Richie if he missed him. No. Uh, (laughs) Everyone around Richie is now frozen in place, staring in the direction of Pennywise.
1: I love that.
0: That's fantastic. I really,
1: really love that.
0: Pennywise floats down with his balloons, singing a song implying that Richie has a secret that he doesn't want anyone to know.
1: The shot of him floating down with the balloons, I think, is my favorite shot of the film. It's pretty good. I think it looks, John Paul,
0: <laughs> I think it looks really cool. I think the thing is, is that I what I don't like is how oversaturated the color in the scene becomes as he's singing on his way down about Richie's secret, and the crowd is swaying to it. By the way, which made no, me. No, they're laugh. feeling it. They're yeah, like
2: damn, <laughs> he's got bars. <laughs> I think what what ruined was that what you just said okay and it made it seem like a scene from um the cat in the hat with mike myers
1: <laughs> i'm talking and about the three seconds we before? get up, no, 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 the no. upward no, shot no, that of him coming
2: cool, down but yeah. like your brother said it, it yeah, did I'll, i was like i don't fuck? understand why they changed the <laughs> color and i was like what happened the cat in that it no. did i was like what the fuck and
0: one thing i did see in an interview where they were talking about how The scares in the daytime made it scarier, but I feel like it makes it less scary to see Pennywise in full get up. Yeah. With no
1: shadow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was much scarier with Victoria under the
2: bleachers. That's true. Right? Oh, yeah. That that was.
0: But Richie closes his eyes, telling himself that it isn't real. But when he opens them, Pennywise again is all, what you got? What you got? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And rushes towards him. Richie runs away and Pennywise tells him to come back and play. Now, his face distorts into a CGI mess. Yes, it does. And it is completely unnecessary because he, Bill Skarsgård, is capable of making some creepy faces on his own. own. Just
1: let him do it.
0: I just don't get that. But he's like, come back and play with the clown. (laughs) It's like, come on, man.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Why I didn't feel the same way because... He does. They didn't give him the opportunity to do the shit that he did in the first right. one.
0: Yeah. And we keep seeing him in the daytime.
1: Maybe that's part yeah. of it, too. We
0: saw him a couple times in the daytime in It Chapter One, like when he was gnawing on that arm.
1: Right. But, but that was still creepy. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't, yeah. <laughs> but next, we see Bill making his way past a pawn shop where he sees his old bike, Silver, in the store window. Through his stutters, he asks the shopkeeper, played by Stephen King, in a cameo role, the cost
1: you know immediately like before you even see him yes. when yeah. words, you're like that is fucking <laughs> oh, Stephen yeah. King. Yeah. <laughs> while you're mentioning his stuttering though i feel like they should have made it a bigger deal that bill hasn't stuttered since he was a child yeah and they now don't even mention he's it. regressing because you just think that he's stuttered his whole life
2: right yeah
1: um Also, in the novel, Richie gets contact lenses Mm -hmm. and his eyes start burning when, you know, he's walking around Dairy or whatever before his interaction with Pennywise or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and he has to take the contacts out and put his glasses back on. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that kind of regression happening in both of them. But Richie just wears glasses the whole time.
0: (laughs) I, they didn't trust you to make the connection no. to Finn Wolfhard <laughs> without the big glasses, I, I guess.
1: Also, uh, I read that in the script, they have this shopkeeper described as someone who looks very, very much like Stephen King. <laughs> and they ended up getting Stephen <laughs> King to do it.
0: Hey, they weren't so, wrong. No, he yeah. does look like Stephen but King. exactly like him. But the shopkeeper recognizes Bill and says that he's a big author so he can afford whatever price it is. Fun thing is, we see Christine's license plate yeah, yeah. from uh, the film <laughs> above Stephen King's head. That's just a nice little Easter egg. But he gives Bill the high, high price of $300. Bill notices one of his books on the counter and asks if the shopkeeper wants it signed. And he says no, because he didn't like the ending.
1: I He's in on the joke. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. I do, too. But Bill buys the bike and the shopkeep says he doesn't know how fast it'll go because it's been sitting there for a long time. Bill tells him that Silver was fast enough to beat the devil. Again, a really good reference to the novel. Yeah. But the music swells as he wheels it out. But in the next scene, there's quite a few hiccups to get it going. But he's finally able to ride it. He shouts, Hi-oh Silver, away! Finally. Finally. Flashing back to riding the bike with Beverly in 1989. He then passes his old house, flashing back to the rainy day when Georgie died. Bill then sees that kid Dean from the restaurant coming out of the house now, which is kind of a coincidence that his family lives there.
1: I'm like, is this the only child in this town? (laughs) I guess so.
0: (laughs) But Bill rides to the corner of Jackson and Witcham, where Georgie died. In 1989, we see Bill approach the storm drain, asking it why it took Georgie. Pennywise answers, because you weren't there, and laughs.
1: I feel like this is setting up something that I don't love that happens later. I agree. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Adult Bill stares into the storm drain now, but he hears Georgie begging for help. He crawls over and sees Georgie reaching out, boat in hand. He reaches in, but dozens of small gray hands try to pull him inside. Luckily, he's able to pull away, and he somehow snags Georgie's boat in the process.
1: Now, if even as a child, he was smart enough to shoot the facade Georgie... Mm -hmm. why would he do this
0: he shouldn't unless he doesn't (laughs) remember that happening
1: (laughs) but they remember everything now that's what they said when they left the fucking little clubhouse that never existed well
0: maybe richie's the only one that did
1: okay (laughs) i don't know
0: (laughs) but he hears children laughing and he sees their shining eyes go out one by one in the dark of the storm drain dean rocks up like what the hell like what's (laughs) (laughs) what's this guy doing yeah bill moves him far away from the storm drain telling him to stay away from it Dean tells him that sometimes he hears voices from the drain in his bathtub, sometimes kids, sometimes a clown. Bill grabs him by the shirt, and he tells him that he needs to get his family and himself the fuck away from Derry. The poor kid is like, I'm supposed to be at a festival, and he just rides away (laughs) in a skateboard.
1: This is such a, um, did you put your neighbor to the on a fire (laughs) moment? Because in the book, he's just like, do you ever hear voices coming out of there? And the kid's like, no. Well one time or sometimes in the drink like it's a very chill and bill's like don't talk to it don't listen to it don't go near the sewer Mm -hmm. like but it's just a very chill conversation bill's even like hey let me ride your skateboard or whatever yeah Yeah. this is like are all the losers just going to take turns abusing this child
2: (laughs) (laughs) this kid's like i'm never talking to an adult again well again Nobody sees this grown-ass man <laughs> shaking the shaking shit. this kid in yeah. the middle of the street in daylight. Apparently not. Nobody. <laughs> great,
0: all he great. could outside have abducted of his house. the kid. He could have. Nothing. It's not just Pennywise to worry yeah. about. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> no,
0: nothing. For me, I feel like this is where the Dean stuff should have ended.
1: Okay. And I got something to say about that.
0: In a bit. When we get there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because in the novel, it does. Yes. This is it.
0: But in the next scene, we see Ben arrive at Derry High School, and he heads into one of the classrooms. We see a turtle statue on the teacher's desk as he sits down in one of the seats. So, Maturin.
1: Right. How did he get in any-
0: here? <laughs> Jimmy the Locker. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. But we're transported back to 1989 with bullies waking up a sleeping Ben on their way out. He pops on some new kids on the block, and he gets his stuff ready to leave. We then see Pennywise's shadow in the light of the projector, but Ben turns around to see that it's just Bev. She lights a cigarette and starts playing with the lighter, asking if he's okay. Ben says that he's worried that they're not gonna be the same after the fight, and Bev says that they'll all still be friends. But she holds his hand and he goes in for a kiss, but she's like, you thought I could like someone as fat and disgusting as you? He turns away and her voice grows scratchy, and we hear her lighter. When he turns around, her entire head is on fire. Ben runs out, and with her face burning, she quotes his poem all the way down the hallway. The pettiness. Yeah. Reciting the poem. It's like, come on, man. Isn't he going through enough? Yeah. (laughs) But Ben runs down the hall, and she follows after. He hides in his locker after he tries the front door, which is chained shut for some reason.
1: Tiny little gripe here. Um, Ben is a bullied kid. Yes. Who likes new kids on the block but is so ashamed by it that he didn't even want his friends to know that he liked it Mm -hmm. why does he have a poster hanging up in his locker
0: that's a great question oh yeah why would you do that he's got to open it real tight yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't need anybody to see that and i'm sorry but from my understanding new kids on the block were very popular so it's not like he was why are you so ashamed Yeah, yeah that never worked for me but he pulls out his yearbook page that bev signed and he tells himself that what is happening is not real He backs up, though, into Pennywise, who is also in the locker, who lets out a kiss me, fat boy, which I like as a reference. I was like, we've
1: all been waiting on it. (laughs) Exactly.
0: But Ben spills out of the locker and Pennywise taunts him about his loneliness. Ben says that he isn't alone, naming each of the losers as one of his friends, but is chased by Pennywise for his efforts. He bumps into a custodian and the flashback kind of ends.
1: Isn't this just kind of a repeat of him running from Pennywise and then bumping in a librarian in the first one? Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did want to point out, I read on IMDb that the janitor was supposed to be played by Guillermo del Toro, (gasps) who is a friend of Andy Muschietti's. They worked together on Uh, Mama, (laughs) and he couldn't because of a scheduling conflict.
1: Oh, man.
0: But present day Ben leaves the school in a hurry. He arrives back at the Derry townhouse to meet up with Beverly and he tells her that there are parts of his past that he doesn't want to forget. Bev says that she remembers the poem and the boy who wrote it for her and she also remembers a kiss but she thinks the longer she stays in Derry, the more she'll remember Bill.
1: It was me, baby! <laughs> yeah, I does not he tell her. I don't know.
0: Uh, ouch, man. Yeah. Who the fuck is Bill? I don't know. Listen. Bill is doing, Ben's doing all the heavy lifting for Bill. Yeah. <laughs> But just as Ben's about to tell her the truth, Richie crashes the party. He says he's ready to pack and leave no matter the consequences. In the next scene, Eddie passes through the Canal Days Festival parade to enter Keene's pharmacy. An elderly Mr. Keene, played by Joe Bostic, approaches him. It looks awful. Yeah, it's only been 27
1: I know. years. Man. Yeah, why is he Pedophiles so dry? age like pumpkins. <laughs> I know, you, have, you sell lotion here. Yeah. yeah. It's what like what aisle what three, dude. You should know this. Oh,
0: God. But Eddie picks up a prescription for an inhaler he called in, and Mr. Keen remembers him. He oddly tries to pop a mole on Eddie's face, saying it could be cancerous. Disgusting.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he's like, I gotta go get you something, and he just heads off.
1: No, he doesn't just head off. He heads off farting.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's true, too. Why? (laughs) It's unnecessary. This is
1: like, what am I watching? Like, is this
0: fucking Eli Roth with this (laughs) frat boy humor bullshit? But, (laughs) sorry, a little too personal. We also...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Eli Roth had nothing
0: to do with... No, he's just sitting there like, what the hell? But we also see an adult Greta in the background played by Juno Rinaldi. We fade back into 1989, which is done by old Eddie's face morphing into young Eddie's face, and they look like the same person. They do. Mm-hmm. But young Eddie talks to a young Greta, played by Megan Charpentier at the counter. She lies and says that her dad told her that Eddie has a tumor on his penis, and that's what the pills are for. We also see, I can't remember if it's young Eddie or old Eddie. The Old Eddie, he's like 40. <laughs> Present day Elderly Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks like Mr. Keen. No, he doesn't. Um, but during this pharmacy scene, we see Andy Muschietti in a cameo role in the background nah. as like a customer. But as Eddie walks off from the counter, this is young Eddie, he hears his mother screaming for him. He heads into a supply closet, which leads to a basement. He heads down, retching, and he takes a shot of his inhaler. Once down there, he finds a makeshift operating room filled with blood packs and used needles. So obviously he's freaking out. Well, yeah. Behind a curtain he finds his mother strapped to an operating table. In the darkness, we see a figure draped in a sheet chained to the ceiling, making its way closer. Eddie frantically tries to save his mother, but he runs away when the figure is revealed to be the leper. He sees the leper reach out to his mother, grab her, and stick his tongue down her throat.
2: So the leper was just trying to slide inside his mom, right? He (laughs) wasn't, he, he, (laughs) he wasn't trying to hurt her. I didn't see anybody getting hurt. She was not down for right. it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I didn't say she liked it. I was just saying- <laughs> oh, God.
1: What I was going to say was- <laughs> slide inside. Wow. Was like, this was such a weird scenario. Like, yes. the yeah, whole I didn't setup. Know,
2: yeah, I didn't understand. It's like,
0: like James Bond with the laser, like trying to flip the coin. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is happening? I'm
1: like, I'm very happy. The the more scenes that this kid gets, the better for me right. because he's yeah. so, he's just very fucking funny to me um, and a good little actor. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, give him screen time. But weird scenario. And I'm sorry, <laughs> the leper again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please. That is
0: exactly right. But this is when young Eddie runs away and we see him run past adult Eddie, which is again a good transition. In present day, Eddie psychs himself up to look behind the curtain. He finally tears it open, but there's nothing there. He turns around, though, and is grabbed by the leper. He chokes the leper up against a wall, and when it seems like he's winning, the leper vomits black sludge into his screaming face. Now, (laughs) we get a music cue of Angel of the Morning, which ruins the entire scene.
2: Yeah. Why? That was just comedy. You didn't need
1: to do that. Why did John?
0: i don't get it
1: how many people did that go through and they were like yes yeah, put that in of there yeah.
0: no i think the reason it bothers me is because horror music is playing as he's choking the leper and then it switches to that for like not even a second barely, yeah. and then right why? back to the horror music it's such an odd cut it's like, why it's
1: jarring are like we supposed to laugh at it
2: i'll never understand why this happened. i don't i
1: just don't i don't was it played for comedy or did it just come off comedic that's
2: what i think it, it was why i don't know <laughs> just so i, confused I think by they it.
0: meant for this to be funny but this is it
2: yeah this isn't a
1: joke and that's another thing i'm and i i've i'm sure i've said it before i appreciate when we can have moments of levity in horror right. films mm-hmm. um it's too much in this film yeah it, it's too this isn't a horror comedy no that's not that's not what i signed up for <laughs> but it is but it is <laughs> but they're trying to make it because it's not that wasn't funny no i know no. <laughs> also why is eddie always getting thrown up on I've, it's always the leper he's always I getting vomited on
0: i think because he hates it the most
1: well nobody <laughs> likes <laughs> it <Yeah>. no
0: <laughs> but a sludge covered eddie runs to the front door and it won't open Greta tells him to push it instead of pulling it, and he thanks her and leaves. Again, it's too comedic. Yeah. It is. And also, why
1: is she dressed like it's still 1989?
0: I guess she never mm-hmm. grew up. Yeah. <laughs> Derry's weird, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sick of it.
0: But we see Bill riding through the alley containing the mural of the Bradley Gang shootout before we're taken back to the Derry townhouse. We then see Eddie arriving and heading upstairs to clean himself up, followed closely by Bill. Bill tells Bev that they all need to stick together, and they hug. Bev remembers their kiss from 1989, and they kiss again in present day.
1: When they pulled away from each other after kissing, I fully expected Ben to be standing (laughs) (laughs) there.
0: Like, God damn it. But a skateboard rolls down the stairs, blood floating up from it, totally ruining the mood. Probably more than Ben would. (laughs) (laughs) Bill flips it over, and on the deck of the skateboard is written, you won't be there for him either. Bill realizes that Dean is in trouble, and so he has to go save him. Ben comes down, saying that he got Richie to stay, but we then see (laughs) Richie sneaking to his car and just making a break for it. (laughs) We also see Patrick's car in the parking lot, adjacent to Bill's. Upstairs, Eddie is cleaning himself up in the bathroom. He closes the mirror and sees that Henry is standing behind him. He stabs Eddie in the cheek, telling him it's his time. Eddie hides behind a shower curtain and Henry does nothing to stop him from doing this.
2: Nope. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> to be honest, I forgot all about mullet. Like <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I had forgotten. I was like, Oh shit. It's an issue. Yeah, I was like, it's him again.
0: But he asks for his knife back. So Eddie stabs him in the chest with it, sneaking out of the bathroom, telling Henry that he needs to cut his mullet. It's been 30 years.
1: Which is, it's a funny line.
2: But really, but like
1: you have been stabbed in your face. Right.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if it was me, but it didn't sound like that's what. like that sounded put in after. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> it
1: probably was.
2: But
0: Eddie heads downstairs telling Bev and Ben that Henry's in his room. Ben rushes up to find Henry has escaped out the window, though. He looks down at Henry and watches as he pulls the knife out of his chest. Ben flashes back to 1989 when Henry carved him and they make eye contact in the present day. We then see Henry leave with Patrick. So he is driving this car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Henry is not scary. No. And I have more to say about it later, but I don't... He's not He's not scary. Not in the he's slightest. He's not needed. No.
0: But Bill arrives at the Canal Days Carnival, searching through the crowd for Dean. He finally spots him with a friend heading into that clown-mouth funhouse from the opening of the film. He rushes after him through some swinging clown things, which are all dressed like Tim Curry's Pennywise. <laughs> Yeah, which I thought was nice. But at the end of the tunnel, he finds the Hall of Mirrors. The lights flash in a disorienting fashion as he makes his way inside. He sees Dean and runs after him, but runs right into glass.
1: Okay, walk with your hands in front of you. Have you never been in a Hall of Mirrors? That's
0: step one. (laughs) It's day one, bro.
1: When I got in there and saw that that's what it was, I'd be like, I'll just wait for him to come out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Where's the exit on this place? (laughs) But in the flash of the lights, we see Pennywise is just hanging out. Bill finally spots Dean again, but is separated by more glass. He tells him that he's here to help, and Dean's like, stop following me, which, yeah. Valid. yeah. Yeah. On the other side of the glass, though, Pennywise drags his tongue up with a squeak. Bill pleads with Pennywise to take him instead, but Pennywise just starts banging his head up against the glass to break it to get to Dean. Bill tries to break in as Dean screams for help, but Pennywise wins the race, smiling a very CGI smile and devouring Dean in a splash of blood.
1: Now, James McAvoy asked for, I guess, I don't know... Bill trying to redeem the whole Georgie situation with this boy. It was supposed to end at that conversation where he's like, I got to go to the fucking fair, dude. Yeah. And so James McAvoy talked to Andy Muschietti and had this scene put in. This was not in the script. Right. And so it feels very anticlimactic to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think that's why because it, it doesn't make any it sense. wasn't supposed to be here, yeah. and so I'm like, "Did you just want to be on for a little bit longer?" <laughs> yeah, he's a big <laughs> Stephen King fan apparently, right. and so I'm like, "You should have just stuck with the book then." <laughs>
0: yeah, he's like, "Can I have another moment, please?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: understand? This I
0: don't. Maze looks fun.
2: It does. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> not this time. No, not, no, yeah, no, not, not today. Yeah. But, we'll, we'll buy tickets tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then poor kid, man. Yeah. He was just trying to have fun. Gets yelled at by Richie. Gets yeah. yelled, at, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yelled at by Bill and then
2: eaten by a clown. He
1: didn't deserve any no. of this. No. He's also the little boy in uh, Dead to Me. He is. Which
0: if you guys have not seen that, that's a great show. It's good. <laughs> There's a sidebar. But on his way out of town, Richie stops at the synagogue. He flashes back to 1989 to Stan's bar mitzvah. We hear his speech about change in memories. We get a montage of each of the losers as kids, Bev covering up her father with a blanket after hiding her stash in the wall, Eddie picking up his fanny pack after the incident with the leper, Mike delivering meat as people whisper about his family, Bill waking up at his desk, Ben walking away in tears as Bill and Bev sit close together, and Richie carving an R plus into the kissing bridge. We see the losers hanging out in a photo booth as Stan says that the good times feel like the easiest to lose as you grow older. He then says that if that's what it takes, then forget it. He says he knows he's a loser and he always fucking will be. And Richie applauds.
1: I feel like this would have come up in the first film.
0: What is bar mitzvah?
1: Well, because we see his bar mitzvah and yeah. Richie's yeah. there watching. So oh, you don't true. think Richie would have been like, he fucking went crazy. <laughs> yeah, like It was so cool. Stop dude. it. I,
2: I, even, I was like, is this real? Or- you blew
1: <laughs> it. You blew making Stan interesting in the first one. You don't get to go back. You don't get to do that.
2: Revisionist. Don't yeah.
0: stop it. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Is this what it takes for Richie to come back? He needs to, (laughs) you know?
1: Man, he cussed out his bar mitzvah.
0: Good job. (laughs) But present day, Richie sits alone in the synagogue and thanks Stan for showing up. That night, Mike waits at the library. Remember, Mike? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is a problem for me simply because we spent so much time with these walking tours of Dairy.
1: So much time that
0: I was like, "Oh shit, Mike's also a loser," you know. Yeah, like it's a real problem. Mm -hmm. They really could have figured out a way to make those tours more time effective, right? And also, the problem for me is that the fucking tours, each one is just a repeat of the one we just saw. It's it starts with, uh, "Hey, hey, I I came to this place. Hey, I got scared here as a kid. Oh no, I'm scared here as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing I need for the ritual." thanks Derry. like and that happened six times in a row they could have done i don't know i don't know what they could have done differently
1: i don't know something
0: it needed to be done but back in the library with mike i think
1: (laughs) i think that's his name
0: (laughs) a book falls off the shelf as he walks by and when he picks it up it's open to the newspaper article about his family burning to death in the fire when he lowers the book henry charges at him with the knife The two fight, and Mike smashes Henry through that display case that Bill was looking at earlier, which sends the axe inside sliding across the floor. Henry gets the upper hand again, grabbing his knife. He kneels over Mike, fighting him to bring the knife down into his face. Out of nowhere, we hear a crunch, and he stops, falling over dead with the axe in his head, and it's revealed that Richie has saved the day by killing Henry Bowers. In typical Richie fashion, he cracks a joke and then vomits.
1: Which was funny because that would have been me. <laughs> <laughs> um, my thing is, Henry in the novel and the miniseries wounds Mike so bad that Mike is out of commission for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's in the hospital. Yeah. He doesn't do that here. And so it's just like, boo, Eddie, ah, you hurt me. Boom, Mike. Ah, Richie killed me. And he's done. Yeah. There was no point to even bring Henry back. To me, it was very anticlimactic and like kind of annoying (laughs) because it's like, oh, here he is. Okay, he's dead. I mean, why are you wasting my time? Is what it
0: felt like. Well, the thing is, is in the novel, Pennywise has another ace up his sleeve with Bev's husband.
1: Yeah. Cause and Tom Rogan is coming. Right. But no, he's not. No, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it work for me is that even though Henry dies, Pennywise is like, no, I got another plan. But here, Henry just dies, and so his arc is fucking stupid.
1: Right, but that and (laughs) not only Tom Rogan, but the fact that he almost kills Mike. And so this whole time, they're like, is Mike going to die? He's in the hospital. And
0: he's their lighthouse. He's their
1: guide, basically, yeah. So
0: without him, we got to continue without Mike. So now
1: we don't have Stan, and now we don't have Mike. But in this, it's just... Now no, we, we killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only human baddie <laughs> yeah. element right. that we have, and, and he's gone, so we're good.
0: Mike's like, actually, I feel better than before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he popped my back. I feel yeah. great.
0: <laughs> but Bev, Ben, and Eddie rush in, realizing Bill is the only one that's still missing, so Mike gives him a call. Bill answers at the carnival, distraught about what just happened to Dean. Bill refuses to come to the library and says that he's going alone to kill It and doesn't want any of them to die with him. The group knows exactly where he's going, though. And we see him arrive at the house on Niebolt Street, looking even worse for wear than before.
1: I just feel like Bill should be acting a little more chill leaving this carnival because he should be the number one suspect <laughs> oh, in this
0: yeah. kid's yeah. death. It's like oh, there, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody that rocks up is like, I saw Bill Denbro, the yeah, famous right. author, ranting <laughs> on his phone, sweating <laughs> profusely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> his DNA's all over that mirror. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But... Bill approaches the front door and somehow the Losers Club is right on his tail. Bill says that this is all his fault ever since he took them to the Barons as children and that he can't make them do this. Bev picks up one of those fence spikes from the first film and says he's not making them do anything. They all agree that they're stronger as a group and after some prompting, Richie delivers the old line,
2: let's kill this fucking clown.
1: Which is cool, but, like, y'all are remembering lines
2: now? <laughs> yeah. To me, again, this was one of those that worked as the kids. Yeah. So is this just an action movie now? Because you're a grown-up saying Come this. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it's just, I was like, what? I don't know. But the group heads inside with flashlights, and it looks even worse on the inside. That molten sludge comes down the stairs, Richie remarking that he loves what Pennywise has done with the place. Yeah. <laughs> This elicits a beep, beep, Richie from Bev, which I'm like, finally, someone used it right. Yeah,
1: but it means nothing because we didn't establish it.
0: Exactly. But they continue in. Bill, Richie, and Eddie walk into the kitchen, but get separated from Bev, Mike, and Ben when a door closes on its own. Ben screams in pain and lifts up his shirt as we see letters being carved into it. In the mirror, we see Pennywise is doing the carving, and it's revealed to say, home at last, using the H from when Henry carved him, Yeah. which I thought was a neat little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when Pennywise begins slicing Ben's throat, Bev smashes the mirror, breaking the curse or I don't
3: know. <laughs> I don't know, but it made me
1: laugh because- I'm like, that's all it took because Ben yeah. is like screaming he in is. pain and they're just
0: sitting there with him. Yeah. <laughs> well, but then they turn around and Ben is looking down and he's like, my abs, they're normal, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> but concurrently, Bill, Richie and Eddie see the fridge open in the kitchen to reveal the contorted corpse of a young Stan, much like we saw Pennywise yeah. in the first film. He lifts his head to scream and it falls off rolling onto the floor. It stops and says that he would be alive if it weren't for Bill. He cracks his neck and spider like limbs stretch out of his head. As if this wasn't a big enough reference to the thing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Richie says, You gotta be fucking kidding. I was okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Spider Stan attacks, but is just knocked over a wall by Bill. (laughs) So it was very (laughs) short lived there. So Richie goes and he checks on Eddie, but is attacked by a perched Spider Stan on the ceiling. Bill tries to help, but Eddie stays frozen to the wall in fear. Bill screams for Eddie to get a knife, but he does nothing. Instead, Ben breaks in, snags the knife, and stabs the shit out of spider stand, his blood floating up.
1: Ben was working through some shit. Yeah. 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 He, he stabbed a little more than he needed <laughs> to. Yeah.
2: And He's Eddie like, I'm not lonely.
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> Come
2: on. I know. That was fucking terrifying. Yeah.
0: I mean, I understand, but Ben throws the creature against the wall and it scurries away. As the group checks on Richie, Bill confronts Eddie. After screaming at him, Eddie begs him not to be mad, and he says that he was just scared. I felt bad for yeah. him. Yeah.
1: He's like, you have to understand. Huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bill says that's what it wants and to not give it to him. The losers continue into the bowels of the house, discovering the well. They head inside and reach the sewers. They continue walking through gray water until they reach where they confronted it in the first film.
2: Wasn't there like a cart or some shit here with all this stuff in it?
0: What, in the first oh, one? Oh, in the first right, one? Right, in the first one, right? Well, I think he moved it deeper. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't hang out here anymore. Yeah, I was
1: like, well, what happened to I stuff? bad memory Exactly, yeah.
0: Got my ass kicked here, guys. <laughs> but as they make their way into what looks like the wreck of a ship, Beverly hears someone call her name. Just then, the witchy woman from the apartment jumps up and pulls her underwater. The men, minus Eddie, dive in to save her. Literally moving from scare to scare. Yes. Like this was very unnecessary. Right. And I literally was like, I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) But after that unnecessary scare, they all gather up on top of the wreck with Mike opening a hatch and telling them they all have to go inside. They start to head down. Mike and Bill first. Eddie needs a little psyching up, though, which Richie provides for him. Bev gives him the spike and says it kills monsters if he believes enough.
1: I think this is the point where uh, Richie makes a joke about Eddie's wife. Uh huh. How does he know what she looks like?
2: Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They're
1: not friends on Facebook.
2: Yeah, no. Well,
0: Richie's starting to get some of Eddie's memories. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Too much memory. Yeah. But they all head down into the depths beneath Derry. After fitting through a tight bit of rock, they reach where it hid after their confrontation, which is where they'll perform the ritual of Chud. They gather at the center of what looks like a giant demon's crown. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And they place the Shakopee artifact down. Mike says the ritual will show them its true form. He sprays lighter fluid into the artifact and lights it on fire, asking them to place their artifacts inside.
2: So is he an alien? There's a crash site. I mean, what? Are you talking about it?
0: Yeah. he's from the macroverse. Right. I just keep saying macroverse until it makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's just the catch all. Um yeah. the macroverse. Haven't you
0: heard of the macroverse? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has. But Bev tosses in Ben's poem, Bill places Georgie's boat inside, Eddie throws in his inhaler after taking another puff.
1: Wouldn't it explode? <laughs> oh, I mean well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting for it to happen and it just never happened. Well,
0: I mean, there's a lot of things going outside yeah. the, laws, the laws of physics here, but.
1: It's not an inhaler, it's a token.
0: Exactly. It takes on new properties. Right. But Richie pops in a token from the theater arcade and Mike places in a stone from the rock fight that still has Henry's blood on it.
1: where do you get that bloody ass rock? I guess He's he been kept holding it, it for 27 yeah. years. I, yeah. might, I might need this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically a relic from the day that they became the Losers Club, so it's probably the most important one. Eddie remembers Stan's offering tossing his shower cap inside. They all hold hands in a circle as the objects burn, Mike explaining that the ritual of Chud is a battle of wills. The first step was their reunion, the second step was the offering of tokens, and now they're about to enter the final step. The fire goes out, and the ceiling opens up like Pennywise's tooth-filled mouth (laughs) as (laughs) three deadlights hover overhead. Mike screams for them to chant, turn light into dark as the deadlights descend. I'm like, you couldn't have told us this earlier? I'm saying,
2: dude, you are the worst at, <laughs> at directing the situation. Well, he's yelling at him, and he's like, don't look at the light. Yeah, You're looking right <laughs> yes. at him, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, I can see you. He is. And he's like telling them to chant. And he's like, like,
2: wait a
0: minute, turn off <laughs> <laughs> turn light in the dark. But his chanting is like, how much did you learn? Like, I'm just so confused. But the lights enter the artifact and Mike throws the lid on top of it, but it won't close. Instead, a giant red balloon inflates out of the artifact, filling the massive crown and forcing the losers outside of it. They check on each other, wondering if the ritual worked or not. But the question is answered immediately when a giant Pennywise peeks out from inside the crown. He forces Mike to admit the truth about what really happened to the Shakopeewa. We see that their ritual was not successful, and it prevailed, killing them all. Mike also scratched that part off of the artifact <laughs> <laughs> so the others wouldn't see it. So two things. One, fuck this Mike forever. Yeah. I'm like, I
1: really, after the first one, I didn't think they could fuck up his character any worse. No. And they did. He's
0: a liar. He's drugged people. He's yeah. like...
1: <laughs> I laugh because uh, Bill goes, Mike, you lied to us again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: like, are you fucking kidding me? But the second thing, aside from... Pennywise being clearly CGI throughout most of this. Yeah. yeah. When they really could have just had Bill Skarsgård do like a segment where he's filmed on a larger set and they composite the shots yeah. together. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah. Apparently, I read on IMDb he did he did mocap and he was on set to provide the lines, but it just looks <sighs> so fake. It looks yeah. bad. But my thing is like, wow you spend like half the film collecting these trinkets and they don't mean shit. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Like.
1: No. And so that's that's what bothered me too. It's like this whole, you didn't need to introduce it at all. No. Yeah. Because. They
0: didn't mean anything. Nothing. No. And the thing is, is in the novel, Mike just tells them to go on a walking tour of Dairy To remember. To remember. It doesn't need to be a mission.
1: No. A side quest in no. Fallout. Yeah. That's not. A, no.
0: But. Mike says the reason that the ritual didn't work is because the Shakapiwa didn't truly believe they could defeat it. The group is obviously pissed at Mike, who apologizes, but the deadlights reappear in a blue cloud of electricity combining with Pennywise to turn him into his final form, the giant body of a clown, but with long, sharp spider legs.
1: I don't, I don't like it. No. Now, <laughs> his final reveal in the novel is a giant spider, like not a spider clown, a giant spider, right. which I... Wouldn't even be mad if they were like, we're not doing that. Yeah. But don't half-ass it. And also, it doesn't even read as spider to me. It's like a it's scorpion, like- <laughs> crab, Yeah, clown. Yeah, I,
2: I got more crab yeah. than, yeah. That than spider. I just went
0: with spider because that's what was in the novel. It's, no,
1: yeah. that's what, I feel like that's what it was supposed to yeah. be. But it's not even... No. Like, y'all didn't even half-ass do it right.
0: And I feel like they kept Pennywise's face because they're like, people like Pennywise, man. Yeah but Mike stands willing to be sacrificed as Pennywise tells them it's time to float. Bill saves Mike from being impaled, and the group runs for it with Pennywise on their tail. They end up separated again, hiding from Pennywise. Bill falls underwater, but when he swims back up, he finds that the surface is frozen. He finally finds an opening, but finds himself in the basement of his childhood home. Richie and Eddie run off together, chased by a tentacle with a mouth. They eventually, <laughs> that's what it is. They eventually reach a wall with three doors labeled very scary, scary, and not scary at all, much like in It chapter 1. Yeah. Right. Bev and Ben run off together but reach a dead end. Eventually they're torn apart and flung through separate tunnels, Bev landing in the stall of the high school bathroom and Ben landing in their underground clubhouse. Richie and Eddie argue over which door to choose as the tentacle snaps at them. Richie eventually chooses very scary as a reverse psychology situation. I think
1: we talked about that last time because that's exactly what I would think (laughs) to do.
0: Yeah. But they hear the disembodied voice of Betty Ripsom asking, where's my shoe? Then her severed lower body comes tap dancing out of the darkness. Why? Well, it's a payoff to the first scare in the film no
1: why is she dancing
0: she's let her dance she's happy
1: (laughs) (laughs) i get the lower half i even appreciate that right i don't i think dancing betty there's nothing to dance about
0: (laughs) (laughs) but they then open the not scary at all door and find a puppy in a joke that goes on for way too long the puppy eventually turns into a monster so they slam the door and abandon the doors altogether
1: agreed on the going on way too long because it should have been zero yeah so,
0: it's like um, are we really laughing right now first of all mike fucked us over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should be a little raw about that but
1: i hated that a lot because i think at the beginning richie had said something about maybe it's a puppy or, or something yeah, he did. and i know this is supposed to be payoff to that but i i didn't
0: I, I it just again it felt like a joke take that ended it, up in the film yeah
2: I felt like this was just an SNL skit, like that's <laughs> I all mean, it was. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It was like this was meant to be for SNL, but it was like, no, just put it in the movie. We need it longer. <laughs>
1: and also, Why? The- we need
2: it longer. No, yeah. we don't.
3: <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> we don't. The um, monster that the dog turns into, like, do all the monsters look the same to y'all too, Andy? Because uh, uh, it yeah. looks yeah. like the old lady yes. who yeah. looked like the yes. painting who looked like.
0: <laughs> and I think the thing that bothers me the most is that it's clear. Andy Muschietti likes this monster type. Yeah. Right. But I've never been scared by it. No, no. So that's a problem. But back in Bill's basement, he sees the younger version of himself come downstairs to talk to Georgie, who stands in the corner in his yellow raincoat. It's revealed that Bill wasn't really sick the morning that Georgie died. He just didn't want to play with him. Georgie begins to chant, You lied and I died. Bill tries to tell young Bill that it wasn't his fault, but he realizes that he's holding Georgie like a puppet, like Pennywise I thought that was was cool. Yeah. In in chapter one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, Georgie looks older. (laughs) Yeah, he clearly does. Use shadows more, man. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But didn't we do this already? Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: we did. And my issue is, why are you adding this extra flavor that Bill wasn't really sick, so this is his fault? Because Pennywise is like, I killed him because you weren't here. Why Why are you doing that? Yeah. Isn't it sad enough? I know. Yeah. Stop.
0: <laughs> and again, we're going back to relive elements of their childhood. Wouldn't it make a lot more sense to do what they did in the novel? And this is kind of not only just about defeating Pennywise, but for Bill to save his wife, Audra.
1: Yes, but Audra's not here. No.
0: But Georgie the puppet turns around, his face decayed, and he continues chanting. Bill grabs Georgie and just straight up drowns him in the water.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
0: does. <laughs> In the bathroom, the door rattles and Bev cowers in the corner as various people from her past burst in to hurl insults at her. First Greta, then Mr. Keene, then Henry Bowers saying, here's Johnny.
1: Yeah. I was
0: like, there was some good references before that were more subtle. That was just unnecessary. Also,
1: when (laughs) Bill's talking to the boy with the skateboard. Yes. There's the pattern of the shining carpet on the bottom of his skateboard. Oh, I didn't yeah. even see that. That shit, I like. The right. license plate to Christine, I like.
0: Here's the Johnny. Sky- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mean Henry? Or? Yeah. <laughs> but also on the wall, there's graffiti that reads, big is what it seems. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But in the clubhouse, dirt begins rushing in, threatening to smother Ben. Back in the bathroom, there's the sound of laughter followed by gallons of blood rushing in, filling the stall. Pennywise taunts Ben back in the clubhouse, telling him no matter the success or the sit-ups, he'll still just be a fat loser who will die alone, and he shuts the door to the clubhouse. Ben calls out to Bev, just as her father appears at the door, asking if she's still his little girl. Ben tells her he loves her and recites his poem. I laughed because he's like, my heart, yeah. my heart. <laughs> when did this love story happen? I mean, it's always
2: been it's happening. It's been happening for Ben. Oh yeah, yeah. for it's been, Ben. It's been very one-sided. <laughs> yeah for ben
1: i mean i was kind of like about fucking time yeah.
0: Ben. well he's, he's like i'm about to die so fuck it <laughs>
2: Listen. wasn't she just kissing this dude yeah. a she scene was. or two ago yeah, yeah. in it's, the novel was, they have <laughs>
0: sex too i was though. gonna say it's even <laughs> worse than the novel and
1: he's in a happy marriage with audra and yeah. they still get it in but get it in good <laughs> <laughs>
3: morning.
1: lord <laughs> 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 yeah in.
0: i know <laughs> <laughs> i don't like either but this gives Bev the strength to kick the door open, which leads to a pretty cool shot of blood pouring out of the bathroom stall as the camera turns to reveal Ben suffocating in the dirt underneath right. her. Yeah. She pulls him out and they embrace, Bev finally realizing he wrote the poem.
1: And Bev is strong as fuck. She oh, yeah. Just yeah. lifts him right out of
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> like it's nothing. But back in the basement, young Bill puts Mike's bolt gun to Bill's head saying that they deserve to die. Bill explains that he was a good brother, and just because he didn't want to play with him one time doesn't make him the reason that Georgie died. Young Bill fires, but nothing happens. Bill takes the gun and fires into young Bill's forehead, causing him to morph into Pennywise, which sends Bill back through the water, swimming his way out. Mike runs to check on him, but gets snatched up and squeezed by Pennywise. Before he can be killed, though, Richie distracts Pennywise by throwing rocks at him. In a fantastic moment, which is again a reference to another Bill Hader on Conan joke, he calls Pennywise a sloppy bitch.
1: <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, I like
0: that. And goes to throw another rock, but gets caught in the deadlights with his eyes rolling back white. It's comedic. It's so fucking yeah. funny. And this moment, I'm like, I love Bill Hader. Yeah. It just works. But as Richie floats up, Eddie holds that spike, instilling the belief that it kills monsters. He calls out, beep, beep, motherfucker, and hurls the spike into Pennywise's (laughs) mouth. Come through, Eddie. Yes. It causes Pennywise to fall back and impale himself on that crown. Triumphant, Eddie rushes over to Richie, rousing him, saying that he thinks he killed it, but then is immediately impaled by one of Pennywise's limbs and thrown down into a hole. The losers scream, running down the hole to check on Eddie. But Pennywise just taunts them, and Eddie explains that he almost killed the leper when he choked him earlier because he made him small, and it made him seem so weak. Mm-hmm. Mike remembers the quote from the shaman: "All living things must abide by the laws of the shape they inhabit."
1: Mike, we've heard enough from your ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't—you've lost your speaking <laughs> you privileges, don't Mike. Don't talk
1: for the rest of the time.
0: But they realize that the only way out is the small hole that they came through, so if they can force it to shrink down, they can make him small enough to kill. As Pennywise strikes at their hiding spot, the losers move through a passage and attempt to lure Pennywise through that small hole. Unfortunately, he beats them to it. So they execute plan B. Make Pennywise believe he's small.
1: <laughs> but they're t- they're talking right in front of him at five Yeah, point. I know. <laughs>
0: they're like, <laughs> what do we do? And he's like, I'm right here. He's yeah.
1: like, make <laughs> me small. Yeah, shit. Like yeah, he's like,
0: I'm the eater like, of right worlds. There. Yeah. But he does, he says that they'll die. It's like it's not gonna work. And he tells him that they're that he's the eater of worlds. This is when the Comedy Central roast of Pennywise <laughs> <laughs> begins and they just take turns talking shit to him and acting yeah. unafraid.
1: <laughs> Your breath stinks. Yeah. R- Your hair's raggedy. <laughs> Your clothes it's unbelievable. are unbelievable.
0: It's like, so you're telling me all they needed was for Anthony Jeselnik to be one of the losers? R-
1: <laughs> you know what? This is me as a monster. Just roast me real good and like, I will crumble. <laughs> please. <laughs> My feelings are Forget are it, weak. forget it.
0: But Pennywise shrinks back into the crown shifting into various incarnations, but eventually degenerating into a small, shriveled clown baby.
1: Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) I also hate it.
0: (laughs) Richie even tears his claw off as the losers just chant clown at him. Mike says he's a clown with a scared, beating heart and then pulls his heart out. They each hold his very CG heart (laughs) as, as Pennywise remarks that they're all grown up.
1: Like, are you their grandmother? Yeah. Well, are so what you happened?
0: proud of them? <laughs> you finally beat yeah. me. Damn, that's all I wanted. That's all they I was grow counting so on. Fast. <laughs> but they all grab his heart with their hands and crush it together. And Pennywise dies a very small, very pathetic death.
1: Yes, he does.
0: I will say it is cool. One of his eyes is orange and one of his eyes is blue. Yeah. I,
1: I did appreciate that
0: too. I did like that. I feel like. My compliment sandwich has fallen off the table. <laughs> so I'm really trying here. We got
1: a lot of meat, <laughs> no bread.
0: But Richie runs to check on Eddie, who is sadly passed away. The whole area begins to disintegrate, but Richie clings to Eddie. The group has to pull him away, and they rush him back up through the sewer system, barely making it out of the house on Ebold Street as it collapses. Richie screams for Eddie, but it's too late.
1: It's heartbreaking. Um, from him wanting to carry him out of there right. yeah. to him trying to go back into the house because he's like, he's still in there. Mm-hmm. Very sad. I hate that Eddie dies.
0: Yes, and Bill Hader does a great job. He, yeah, he does. Of conveying that emotion. And it does suck because Eddie was, Eddie was fun. Yeah. Eddie was
1: great. And he, he's like, I got him. Like We got him. We got yeah. him. Like it's, it's really sad.
0: But the losers arrive at the quarry, diving in just like they did as children. They wash themselves clean. Richie cleaning Eddie's blood from his glasses. The losers then remember Eddie, and this just causes Richie to sob.
1: Yeah, I. He died five minutes ago, and they're like already at an acceptance stage. Yeah. That (laughs) I don't.
0: They're like, he was cool, man. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I got a book to write. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? But they all console Richie and mourn Eddie with him. Richie thanks them, and he says. (laughs) I don't have my glasses on, so I don't know who you are, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> the losers dive deep and find Richie's glasses with Bev and Ben sharing a kiss underwater.
2: That's gross.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, the, uh, we're watching it and he goes, they open their mouths.
2: <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Not don't. under that dirty water. You no. don't know what's going on in there.
0: They found a turtle in there in the first film. No, <laughs> oh, fuck. But we see the losers walking through Derry, realizing that the scars in their hands have disappeared. They stare into a shop window and see the younger versions of themselves, Stan and Eddie included.
1: Why are they completely dry, though? They've
0: been walking for a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a very hot day.
0: Yeah. Back in 1989, the losers walk together, cracking jokes after having just defeated it for the first time. Sometime later, in present day, Bill is typing on his computer a passage that appears in the novel uh, from Eddie's perspective. Yeah. About friendship. But this is when Mike calls him on the phone. Interestingly, unlike in the novel, they're remembering everything. Yeah. Which I like.
1: I do too. Cause like in the novel, they're like, what was Eddie's last name again?
0: Yeah. It's like shit, dude. Yeah. What? Mike
1: is, cause they're forgetting again because they've done it. Yeah. So Mike is writing everything in his journal to try right. to remember. But yeah, they don't even, sometimes they don't remember each other's name, him and Bill, when they're trying to the talk fuck? to each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah.
1: I, I agree. Because. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I
0: like the idea of the Losers Club still being the Losers Club. Right, right. But Mike says it's because they have more to remember than they'd like to forget. As it turns out, Mike plans to leave Derry, but asks Bill if he got the letter. He says everyone got one. Bill checks his mail to find a letter from Patricia Uris. Mike tells him that he loves him, and they get off the phone. Mike closes the book on Derry's history and leaves the empty library apartment. Bill opens the letter and he begins to read it, and it's from Stan. Stan promises that it isn't a suicide note, but he explains that he was just too scared to go back and that if they weren't united together, they would all die. So he made a sacrifice to ensure that the losers would be successful in defeating it. Stan tells them not to live their lives in fear, and we see Richie stopping at the kissing bridge to clean up the engraving he made as a child. R plus E
1: sobbing
0: very very sad <laughs>
1: when we saw that at the theater i got goosebumps yeah i was like no.
0: it's very upsetting it just yeah. makes it
1: so much worse
0: it does and ugh. but stan says to be yourself and be proud somewhere on a yacht ben and bev are together and bev actually says that she had a beautiful dream the night before yeah so her nightmares of their deaths have stopped stan says if you find someone worth holding on to never let them go We see Mike getting into his car looking at the photo of the Losers Club from the photo booth as Stan says to follow your own path no matter where it takes you. We see the Losers riding bikes together in 1989 as Stan says to think of the letter as a promise. He says the thing about being a loser is you don't have anything to lose. We see Mike in present day driving his car out of Derry to start a new life as each of the Losers finish the letter. Be true. Be brave. Stand. Believe. Believe. And don't ever forget, we're losers, and we always will be. And the credits roll. I'm going to admit, that choked me up a bit.
1: Yeah, it did. I I, I agree, but I feel like they completely changed Stan's motivation mm-hmm. yeah. from every other... You know, telling of this Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a sacrifice for the greater good. No. He didn't have this moment of clarity where he wrote them a letter. It was, I can't do this. I'm not going back.
0: (laughs) So he just killed himself. He just kills himself. Instead, he has time to write six letters. And that, Uh, but like,
1: If you have that moment of clarity where you're like, Oh, I'll just take myself off the board. What about your fucking wife, dude? Yeah. Oh shit. Like, I don't I don't love that. The letter was very um sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Also
0: stand and be true.
1: Yeah. Dark tower. Yeah. But I don't know if I love that they changed it like that because I feel like that kind of makes him only exist for them to, you know what I mean? Right.
0: I I don't know. Personally, I didn't really mind the change only because after everything they've been through, it's nice to see and hear from Stan again. That's Mm -hmm. true. And I know that it sacrifices some bit of his character and maybe it doesn't make as much sense considering he was happily married. Yeah. But- I think it just demonstrates his commitment to the Losers Club.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess so.
0: Even after all these years, right? So, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but it 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 made my heart twinkle, man. It did. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to ask the customary question: What did you guys think of it, Chapter Two?
2: So that was sad and all, uh-huh. but <laughs> I I was I was a little more confused with some of the stuff. Like I said, I had to ask your sister. Like the thing, the Chud thing and all that. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was just, I don't know, I was just left with a little more questions. I was just like, what the fuck? What, what was happening? And I get that. You know yeah, what I mean? for sure. Um, And like your sister told me, well, if you haven't read the book, then you, you know what I mean? It's just all over the place. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I so still want to enjoy the story though. Yeah. And I didn't understand why in the f- chapter one, Bill seemed like, the leader or like they're, you know what I mean? Kind of like the main guy, Mm -hmm. but he's not in the second one. It seems like Mike is because he's kind of like, look, we've got to do this. You promised come back and he's Mm -hmm. rallying everyone together and he's telling them how to defeat it. And he's, so it's like, well, wait a minute because in the first, the chapter one, he didn't do shit.
1: Well, I agree with you. Mike is a like a leader to an extent because he is the lighthouse keeper. Right. Um but by that same token, Bill is supposed to kind of assume his role as leader of the group again, especially since they are trying to rescue his wife. Yeah. Who tried to come save him and now she's in kind of the den that, you know, Pennywise has gotten her as well. Right. So without that motivation, there's yeah, really Bill's know. just kind of there. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, he tries to do like the stereotypical leadery thing of I'll go in alone, which
1: is the same yeah, thing he did in the but, first
0: one, but exactly. go off.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the, that just still felt kind of dry in this in this chapter. Yeah, that's fair. No, I'll agree. It just didn't like. I was like, what? What do you? So you're going because you're mad or you're whatever? (laughs) Weren't you just preaching the first movie that you need to stick together because that's the way to Mm -hmm. defeat him? Now it's, fuck you guys, I'm going to go kill myself. Yeah, what? You know that you're not going to beat Pennywise on your own. But he
0: saw a small kid die, I guess, and it it changed everything for him. You've
2: seen a lot of kids die when you were younger because of Pennywise. It just, I don't know. Like I said, it was just... uh, I didn't I didn't hate the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate it. But it was, it was just it was a, a little confusing at times. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, I haven't read the book. So, I mean, some things are just kind of like, what the fuck's happening? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it wasn't bad. I
1: agree. I don't hate it either. But like I said, it, it is a disappointment especially when they set up these uh, spending, what felt like three hours looking for their tokens, only right. like for them to mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, having Henry Bowers break out and attack them only to immediately be yeah. killed. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stuff that felt like it was set up and just came to a very anticlimactic end. The same thing with the fucking kid in the fun house. Yeah. I'm like, what What are we doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I don't hate it either. I, my enjoyment of it definitely decreased from the first watching to this one. Mm-hmm. And especially having reread it, like I was rereading it as we were doing this series of episodes. Yeah, me too. And uh, yeah, it's like, damn, man, you guys, you dropped a lot of balls. That's yeah. what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And um, the over-reliance on CGI. Ooh. I mean, I guess I can kind of talk about my my gripes when we get to ratings, but Yeah, there was a lot of missteps here. But Mm -hmm. by that same token, I don't hate
0: this movie. No. And I think that's the thing is that I don't hate it either. I know we came down pretty hard on it. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's just a matter of the fact that we wanted to see this end in a satisfying way. Yeah. As being such huge fans of the novel and what we got just was not satisfying not that it was awful and that right. we'll never watch it again. Right. But it was not what we were hoping for. But I guess that leads us to ratings. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So my major gripes with the film is that it's, for me, it's not scary in the slightest. It's no. not. It's not. I feel like it's very tonally inconsistent where humor takes precedent where it does not need to. Hmm. Um, I think it loses a lot of the emotional weight of the novel by not... Including a lot of really important character moments. Yeah. Uh, very scare heavy, but not effective. No. Yeah. You know, it, it, I saw somewhere someone said it feels like it's a haunted house where you just go in from you're room right. to room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I said, a <laughs> scare here, ah, you yeah. know, and it's bloated. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was reading this review from My Geek Blasphemy. And she was saying that the segment with them finding their tokens could have been improved if they went in pairs.
2: That's yeah.
0: That's true. You can add character moments, even have interesting pairings that you hadn't seen before, interesting really. Interesting
1: conversation and dialogue.
0: Exactly. And then that way, it's not just the same scenario set up for six different people. Yeah. Right.
1: Because that's what it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But that reliance on CGI also just took me out of it. Yeah. Because a lot of it was... In, I keep saying ineffective. It was just ineffective. Yeah. But I did like the losers. Yeah. Bill Hader is like one of my favorite human beings. No, he's great. And so I, I loved him every moment he was on screen. Yeah. I think that it would have been nice to get more moments between the losers that weren't ending with a scare every time. Uh-huh. But... Here we are. <laughs> but I feel like we've, go on, we've been going on for the longer than we've ever gone before. I, I, yeah. But I think that just speaks to how long this film is when it really doesn't need to be. No. But on a scale from 1 to 10, Red Balloons, I'm going to give It Chapter 2 5.5 Red Balloons out of 10. There are things that I like here. It's not an awful movie and I will watch it again but I just got a lot of complaints. Yeah. But I'll open the floor to you. I agree with you a lot. Okay. And
2: I and I know I said that I hated what's face <laughs> and, and it's it, I think I think the thing that took me out of it not in a bad way like towards him but was him. That was comedy the whole time. Why did you put this guy in there? You know he's going to be funny. Mm -hmm. Well he's supposed Richie is funny. I know, but this is a horror movie. Yeah.
0: I think the issue was if they hadn't have made Eddie also have these weird comical but non comical moments, it wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. (sighs) That thing with the leper, him fumbling with the door on his way out. You know, if they didn't have that, Bill Hader wouldn't it wouldn't appear as much.
2: Yeah, Uh, maybe. But it it did, though. It felt like there was a lot of comedy in this. Like, there was a lot of, like you said, ineffective scares. (laughs) And it didn't like the ideas were really cool, Mm -hmm. but the scares didn't happen. Yeah. And it and it did take me out of it. And it and the like I said, the one scene was like an SNL skit. I was like, we don't need this. <laughs> yeah. No. There's a lot of stuff we didn't need. And it just it I think the length too was like, Oof. oh my God, like, is this still going? <laughs> um but on a scale from one to ten red balloons, I can't go that low. Okay. I, 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 like I said I did enjoy the movie but it was confusing mm-hmm. you know what i mean but having you guys kind of you know break down the book and the the comparisons and whatever i see why you you know what i mean why you guys didn't really take too kind to it or whatever yeah. trying to compare it to the book but even with that it's like the movie itself just watching it like that it was really confusing yeah um so for me on a scale from 1 to 10 red balloons i'm going to give it chapter 2 Six point five red balloons, like I said, I didn't hate it, mm-hmm. but it just it was just right below the like, oh, this is great, <laughs> it's good, but yeah it's not i mean it's not the the best, you know, yeah,
1: um, yeah, not to rehash <laughs> everything that we just spent like four hours talking about, but on the good side, I feel like the casting was for the most part really great, fair. Um, because of the cast, you have these really great actors, but on the other side of that coin, I feel like they were really underutilized for the most part. I'll agree. Including Bill Skarsgård.
0: Yes, yes. I
1: feel like he did not, y'all just did not let him be great in this one. That's what it feels like. We've already talked about the CGI. Um, The monsters looking the same really Mm -hmm. was upsetting to me. Oh, yeah. Specifically the Mrs. Kirsch situation because i really love that me too and i feel like they really blew it
0: yeah
1: um again pennywise looked really weird to me (laughs) uh the kids de-aging their faces especially finn wolfhard their voices were weird um and mike yeah you fucked him up in the first one (laughs) so bad that i didn't think they could make it any worse and they fucking made it worse i I it's just appalling to me. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, I, I, feel like you shouldn't have to say I don't hate this movie yeah. as, <laughs> as many times as we've said it. But anyway, on a scale of one to 10 red balloons, I am going to cozy up right in the middle <laughs> and give it chapter two, six out of 10 red balloons. Um, they definitely could have done better. Mm-hmm. I expected better. I hoped right. for better, mm-hmm. but I can't say I'll never watch it again. No, I, I will. Right. You know, but
0: I'll complain a lot of the time. But I'll right. bitch the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate it, Chapter Two? And what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Travis MWH at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Windigo Getter patrons. And remember, confronting your past might be scary, but only when you slay those demons can you have a rewarding future. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned until after the music. We want to give a very special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. Yay. Yay! It's a
1: party. <laughs> Just call me Angel.
0: Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kenton Allison Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Jacob Tyler, and Carissa. Thank you all so thank much. You, thank, Yay, you, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad that our show can be something for you to come home to because <laughs> <laughs> he wrote right. it in blood. Yeah. <laughs> come home. Come on home. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Like Derry. Da- Maine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.